Hello everyone and welcome to episode 77 of Game Time with Manny. Uh, normally Matt's here with me every week, but now he's here on the internet. Yeah, we're uh, we're practicing social distancing. Yeah, we and, gotta uh, socially distance. <laughs> yes, it's uh, weird, weird times going on right it now. It is, yeah, so. there's a lot of crazy shit going on, so I'm not trying to... I don't know, I don't want to get sick, that's my main thing. So, yeah, yeah. Are are you working or? Uh, I are you like... I will be. I will be on camp. I will be one of the like few people that stays on the college campus. So, I didn't know if like because like the new New York, it's just you know like people that are important. So I yeah, didn't know if essential. You were to be... Wow, that's fucked up. You're saying I'm not important. I see how it is. I I mean like <laughs> I didn't know if you could. That's a job you could do at home. Uh, it is. So some people will be at home, but some uh, me and another person are staying on campus to like help people because there will still be a uh, select few people there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be so weird. Being it's like gonna be freaky. One of, like ten people on campus. Yeah, it's gonna be freaky. Uh, yeah. So we got all kinds of crazy news shit going on. Uh, but before, I guess I should apologize in case there's any audio weirdness. You might hear me typing or moving in the chair. I tried to set my noise gate really high, but this mic picks up a lot for some reason. So Yeah, and I mean, you have a much better uh, mic than I do, so I assume you're going to end up sounding a lot better than I do. Uh, I think yours sounds all right, because it, it, yeah, it, sh- it should just be what it sounds like coming through on my end, and I think it sounds about the same as my voice, so we should we should okay. be totally good. Yeah, um, I mean, I have a good mic. I'm just saying you have like a, like a great mic. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So you ready to pop into the news? Yeah, sure. Let's let it rip. All right. Um, the Nintendo PlayStation sold for 360 K uh, yeah. to the owner of pets.com. Yeah. He also That's, owns um, toys.com, I think, or something like that. Right. Yes. And he wants, he has a pretty large video game collection. And he wanted to add this to it and maybe even start his own little museum. So Yeah, which that is bizarre. They should give this to like the Video Game History Foundation or something. Like let someone who knows what they're doing, like Frank Cifaldi or someone like do that, in my opinion. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I what do you even do with this? I mean, it is just something you would just stick somewhere and then people could look at it yeah i mean like nothing really it takes both snes cartridges and playstation discs or it was supposed to and it's basically just as like looks like a super nintendo that has a disc drive and the controller is just a super nintendo controller that says playstation on it uh i believe that people had done homebrew things that will run on it so i i saw somewhere that i think they played some version of mortal kombat on it uh, the first Mortal Kombat? Yeah, so I think it does work. Like, if it will still physically turn on and everything outside of that. It's just, yeah, what are you going to play? There weren't, like, any real games in development for that or anything. It was just a prototype. Yeah, I mean, it's just a weird part of history where initially they were going to work together and then they split off, which I think probably is the best thing that could have happened to video games. Yeah, probably. I mean, I love both of those companies dearly, so makes yeah, sense. I mean, and it kind of creates competition between the two of them. So yeah, for sure. Uh, this next story, <laughs> Reggie joining GameStop, was this is a weird story because, like, GameStop last week. 
doing pretty well. <laughs> Wait for it. This week they are, especially today, I had a, a couple people sent me articles that I had already read being like, did you see this shit? And so, like, yeah, a couple weeks ago, Reggie, everyone's favorite Nintendo uh, executive, he joined the board of directors of GameStop. And I believe that yeah. happened around the same time as two other people. Uh, yes, it was like one of an them, act- I think, was like Walmart or yeah. something like that. Like, so something like that. And so like usually, usually that kind of thing happens because of them trying to get a majority vote to throw out the CEO of a company. So usually that right. kind of thing will happen, which I would assume that that was what they wanted to do before uh, the coronavirus issue is imploding GameStop from the inside. I did you see did you see the shit that they put out in like a a memo to employees yesterday? I did, yeah. (laughs) It (laughs) like I laugh because it's but it's not funny. Like that is it's insane. They basically said like we are uh essential in this time of crisis because a lot of people are making the transition to doing things online or working remotely and we sell those goods. So basically they said like, if cops come in here and try to say you have to shut down, you have to like argue with them and say no. And like hand them this piece of paper that says why we are an essential business. Mm-hmm. What? Like what? Yeah. And then I saw today California sh- uh, like they they shut down all the game stops in California. Oh, really? I didn't see that, but I they should. Yeah. And like, so the other thing was the cleaning supply supply chain was completely broken for them. So like, they weren't even getting like the regular cleaning supplies that they should get. And they also told employees that they should go out and buy them on their own. <laughs> and so then some places like a lot of GameStops have those demo kiosks in the front a lot of places took those down to try to you know mitigate a contact point for a lot of people and then they were told that they have to put them all back and that especially in some stores like uh, Nintendo or PlayStation or someone had bought the floor space so they had to be there it's like that seems wild yeah that seems like something you go to Sony or Nintendo and are like Hey, we can't put these out right now. Okay, but also like Microsoft has been having their had their employees work from home for like the past month. So obviously, right. like if you said, "Hey, we don't want to have this Microsoft kiosk up there," they'd be like, "Yeah, totally. That's dumb." Mm-hmm. So I just right. like what? <laughs> I I can't believe yeah, that. I can't, I, I can't. I can't imagine people are even blocking the GameStop right now. I mean, no, like that's what I told you. I canceled my Animal Crossing pre-order because I was like, I don't want to be in a small room with that many people right. at, at a time like this. And the guy tried to tell me that they were still going to do the midnight release. And that was two days before the game came out. And I was like, no way you're doing that. And then right, it was... Which it, they did cancel that. Yeah, but it was the day after that, which was already really late right. to cancel that. And then they, oh God, this isn't so much GameStop's fault. They, uh, because Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing were coming out on the same day. They released Doom a day early on the 19th. And then they released Animal Crossing on the 20th. And, uh, boy, you should have seen the tweets that were replying to that. Yeah. 
which that felt like it might have been Nintendo. I don't know. Well, no, that makes sense, but it does. But either way, like the tweets replying to that were people being like, well, why don't you release Animal Crossing early? No one cares about Doom and just people being viciously stupid to each other. So that was good as well. Yes, which I mean, if they had done it the other way where Animal Crossing and then Doom was later. And yeah. then the Doom people would have been complaining. So that was yeah. a no-win situation. My favorite was someone said, why didn't why don't they release them both early? And then it's like, well, <laughs> that defeats the entire purpose of the <laughs> thing in the first place. But didn't, didn't Nintendo digitally release it early? No, they just did it at midnight. Um, oh. So it depended on where you were. And it actually, I can talk about that later, but it broke for me. Like, it hit midnight, and it still wouldn't work. And I was like, oh, God, is it not coming out at midnight? But I saw a lot of people on forums be like, oh, no, it's working. You just have to, like, mash the prompt a hundred (laughs) times. Because I I I think what happened was it just it has to talk to a server for, like, a millisecond so that Mm. the server returns, hey, yes, this is unlocked now. But I think so many people were trying to get it at the same time that it was just not going through. Is that something you have to have Nintendo online or can you play offline? You can play offline, but for that, I mean, you have to have the internet so that it can authenticate that. So, right. I'm, I'm saying like, so you you could be connected to the internet, but still, or yes, but not have the online and be fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured, but so yeah, it, it took me like five minutes to get in, which wasn't that big a deal, but I was just like, no, I need to play. Um, how late did you stay up uh till like four so i okay. not I, too bad then. no i played for like four hours and then i couldn't sleep because of a mixture of wanting to play animal crossing and extreme anxiety uh <laughs> <laughs> so i only slept for like four hours and then just started playing animal crossing again so i've played like probably like between six and eight hours at this point so got a oh, cool. decent Good. amount under oh, my yeah. belt yeah um, so yeah, mo- moving on from that, I guess this is one of the biggest things that's happened in a long time. And I called this shit. I said it in our predictions podcast. I said there will be no more E3 after last year. I was right. I don't want to be right, but I was right. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, there's a chance it comes back next year, but I just think like companies like Ubisoft, are going to hold their own press conference or, you know, basically their own Nintendo direct realize they don't need E3 and then just not do it anymore. That's my guess at least. Yeah. I I would assume that. So the reason, the reason they're not doing E3 obviously is because of coronavirus concerns, right? Right. Like most things, excuse me. Uh, And so it took them a long time to cancel it. I feel like, so I, I have a feeling that while they can say that it was over the coronavirus concerns, that may have been a convenient out of the situation. I mean, they were every time we talk about E3, it was negative this year. Oh yeah, it was a couple episodes. uh, But I mean, they haven't canceled Gamescom yet. Com yet either. No, but Gamescom is later, right? And it's a little bit later, but it is also like considerably bigger that is true um i mean by the time that that is it that is super far out so it could be that 
most countries will have gotten over this by then, but I mean, that might be a generous estimate at this point. Uh, so yeah, I mean, who know, who's to know? But I mean, that's another thing. We may just have a really big Gamescom this year. Yeah, possibly. Than usual. Um, so the thing that bummed me out the most about the E3 thing is that Jason Schreier, the genius Kotaku reporter, he uh, he got the hot inside scoop that Warner Brothers was going to have a press conference for the first time where they talked about their upcoming Batman game, that leaked Harry Potter game, and whatever game Rocksteady's working on. And I just, I wish, I mean, they probably will still put out that info, but I think that would have been a really cool thing to see. Yes, and the other thing is, even just those three games, they could have talked about the Lego game. Do you think they have enough to ta- have their own press conference? Uh, Yeah, I guess I don't know. They don't really put out that many games anymore outside of like, a Batman game every so often, Mortal Kombat slash Injustice, and like yeah, the oh, Lego right. stuff. So I, I don't really know. Cause like, and then there's that Monolith Studio that does the uh, oh uh, Shadow of War, Shadow yeah. of War, which that's been a couple years, I guess. It has, but, but that last game burned them pretty bad, I think. So yeah. I don't really know where they're going. Maybe they are trying to make something totally different and new, but they do obviously still have the Lord of the Rings license. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Being Warner brothers, they do have a lot of licenses they can pick from. Uh, But I just don't know if they have enough studios to really justify their own press conference. Where like the Batman, Harry Potter and Rocksteady, they could have just had like a little block with an Xbox's conference, you know? Yeah, which, I mean, they might still do, like, Microsoft and I think Ubisoft both said that they still plan on at least streaming something with or without the ESA and E3, so we will at least still get all of this news probably around that same time, which will be weird. Right. But I I honestly do think that E3... Oh, oh, no, you're good. I think that E3 is done now because i like what you said i think that these companies are gonna realize like oh shit we still got the same viewership on this thing without the e3 umbrella like does it actually matter they probably don't need it so it's just strange yeah and and maybe now they can instead of having it at e like the time of e3 maybe they'll delay it a little bit later so then that way they can have their own week rather than having to compete with every other company. Yeah, that that's true. <clears throat> um, uh, this is just a adjacent to this. GDC was also canceled. We talked about that last time, uh, but right. they just rescheduled it for the beginning of August, hmm. which I think might be kind of a generous estimation. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But like, I've, I think GDC is much more important than people realize, especially for like the small indie developers and just kind of coordinating and getting together and meeting new people. Yeah, I think it's uh, like a really important networking event for developers. Yes. So, yes, absolutely. I think it's probably like bigger than E3 for developers. Yeah, I, I, especially for smaller developers, definitely. Yes. Did you see they still just released the awards for the GDC? Oh, no, I didn't. That's cool. Uh, yeah, they, um, oh, 
the goose untitled goose game won game of the year of course it did i don't i guess developers really like that game yeah i mean i i can see why from a design standpoint it would be really cool but I think from a gameplay standpoint, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think also it being shorter, developers are pretty busy and don't have time to play the big lengthy games. Oh, I guess, yeah. Hop hop into a very short game, probably they appreciate. Yeah, that does make sense. Uh, All right, so yeah, that's all about E3, but uh, this one, I'm so sad, Matt. I'm so sad. So Mike Mahardy yeah. and Peter Brown are both leaving uh, GameSpot.com. And like I like Mike Mahardy, and uh, he had been on a lot of Giant Bomb content because he worked in the New York CBS uh, offices. And so he is moving to Polygon, uh, which is an interesting move for him, I think, but I think he'll be good. I would love to see yes. him interact with Brian David Gilbert. That would be excellent. I- Yes, it will be. <laughs> um, but so, like, that's fine because he'll still be out there. But like, man, what the fuck? How can Peter leave? How can Peter leave? How can he do the this? The sad thing is, when you really start thinking about Gamespot, they have just shot themselves in the foot so much. Well, and it's uh, like, so I already didn't like Gamespot that much after Mary Kish, Danny O'Dwyer, and Chris Waters left. Right. Uh, and even like Eric Tay now doesn't isn't really on camera. He's more of a video producer. So like that was the recent era of GameSpot that I really liked because I really like all those people. And then like you realize, OK, well, Peter's still there. And so it's interesting and he's still good. And like Mike yeah. was still there and doing interesting enough things. But it's just like I like I like most of the other personalities to a certain degree. But just Peter has that. In the same way that Jeff Gerstman has that thing, right? Where they can just talk about old school games with yes. a kind of technical knowledge that most people just do not have at all. Well, not just that. And just like they have this knowledge and it's just interesting to, to listen to them talk about, you know, those older times. But then like when you just think about GameSpot in general, like. People just don't stay anymore. It's very weird. And like, I, and yeah, because I would have thought that before I would have said, like, oh, this is like they're going to get rid of GameSpot. Like it's some kind of mass exodus or something. But it just, right. it, that's not, this is just, it happens there. Right. Because like you think about Game Informer, which I bring up. I mean, like Andy McNamara and Andy Reiner have been there since the early 90s. IGN has guys there that have been there the entire time. So like a lot of these, the only (sighs) thing I can think of is that like, well, other than Peter, because he was like the highest up you could be technically without being like a CEO or something. But like, uh, they must just not get paid enough. Like, it seems like one of those things where they might have a little GameSpot as a brand might have too much control over what they can and cannot do. Right. I I don't know exactly, but it does seem like people come in, they stick around for three, four five years like Mike Muhardy. And then, and yeah. then they're out because it's very weird. Cause like when you think about GameSpot and Polygon, just by name alone, I mean, GameSpot is to me is a bigger name. Uh, I mean, yeah, I it's it's Polygon is also weird to me at this point, because like to me, that is Brian David Gilbert, right? Because most of right. the 
most of the other people left, like Justin McElroy and Griffin McElroy both left because they have the world's most successful podcasts and they didn't have to be games journalists anymore. So like they can right. go and record their 800 podcasts and I love them still, but they also, their best work I don't think is in game. So it made sense that they would leave. Right. Uh, and like, I don't think Arthur geese works at polygon anymore. Uh, it's just, it's just weird. Yeah, most of the found people who founded Polygon do not work there anymore, but they at least have had the same right. core group for a while now. So strange. Yeah, I just I just think like I think GameSpot has more name recognition at the very least. Like when you yeah. hear GameSpot, you you really I you think about twenty years ago or even maybe even fifteen years ago. Yeah, it just it's just very strange how. It, it's all been kind of downhill ever since they did fire Gersman. They just haven't been the same since. No, yeah, I mean, back then, like, that was that was the, the best. Yeah, like, I mean, and all the people they had back then, like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, Where that's if when... that didn't happen, I bet GameSpot is still number one. Yeah, I would, I would bet. Because they would still have Vinny, they would still have, I don't know, Alex, he kind of was getting burnt out. I, but I don't know, like, Gersman just kind of took what he knew and went to Giant Bomb, and now Giant Bomb's probably one of the biggest out there, so. Yeah, very it's true. Just, it, GameSpot is just such, in such a weird spot. I have no idea how well, because I don't really know anybody who's, like, GameSpot fans, you know? No, yeah, I, I don't really know. Because they don't really focus on the personalities too much. I, I don't really know what they focus on. Yeah, I think they've been trying to. Like that's why they started doing the GameSpot After Dark thing. Uh, but right. th I don't know that that's been very popular for them either. Yeah, I, I, you just don't hear about hear GameSpot very often unless it's like something like this where a couple of the bigger names are leaving. Yeah, and it was weird because like Mike went to the New York to make another GameSpot office in New York. And right, so like which... I only know of like one other person who even works there mm -hmm. in the New York office. So it just seems yeah, I yeah, I don't know. Maybe it just didn't work out or something. Yeah, because he he did the um did a interview with Minmax of Ben Hansen of Minmax. Uh, after he left GameSpot, and he said like he got frustrated in San Francisco, and that's why he moved to New York. And I, I'm guessing he didn't feel much better in New York, so then he decided to go to Polygon. Yeah, because I don't know if you know this, but Mike Mahardy was one of the interns at Game Informer. He was, yeah. This was years ago, but he was at one point. So yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, moving on from GameSpot, mm -hmm. this is more of a rumor. I just wanted to include it because I just this could be a very exciting rumor. It, it, Sony, yeah. Sony is uh, looking at maybe acquiring the Metal Gear Solid license, Silent Hill, and Castlevania from Konami. I so I would love for this to be true. When I saw this rumor, my first thought was, "Wow, that sounds like some magical wish fulfillment." <laughs> Right. because like konami's not going to do anything good with these franchises ever again like that is very clear at this point i think yes it would be awesome and then it would be hilarious because then they could give metal gear back to kojima but 
I just like, I, I, yeah, I think that that would be a very interesting play on Sony's part is to get these three super popular IPs, but I, I just don't know how likely it is. Well, the weird thing is I've been here, like I, I've been listening to podcasts and there have been rumors the last month or so of a silent Hill game and Kojima potentially being involved again. Really? And it's like, well, Kojima and Konami are not going to work together. No. But then this rumor popped up of Sony looking at the three. And then all of a sudden, you you know, maybe Kojima, they buy it and then they hand like Silent Hill and Metal Gear Solid to Kojima. Yeah, then... I mean, I get, I guess that could that could work. It just this seems like yeah. one of those things where <laughs> no one will believe it until there is like a trailer or something official reports it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because like, but as you said, Konami's not going to do anything with license. They could get some decent money out of them. They could, yeah. <laughs> and then maybe they can use that to finally get out of the video game business, which they seem so much wanting to do. So right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, or even because like the only thing they've really done this year was they released that Castlevania mobile game where they're releasing it which I can't imagine will do particularly well. I don't know. No, yeah, I would guess that that will do not very much. So, yeah, it's which, an, it's an it, interesting rumor. If, if, if Sony did buy Castlevania, what do you think they would do with it? That's what I don't even know, because, like, think about the last new Castlevania game was Lords of Shadow 2, I think. And right. that was like they tried to make it 3D and people like those two games, but that's just like that's not what I want out of a Castlevania game. But I also don't think right. that you can just go back and like make those 2D Castlevania games again. So I think Castlevania, especially as a franchise, is in a very weird place. I, I don't even know because uh, th then if they made like a, they... another one, it'd be like Bloodstained, right? And then they're like, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, that was going to be what I was going to say. What if they go to the Bloodstain, the 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 developer that made Bloodstain, maybe even buy them, and then they just make Castlevania games? Well, but like Koji Igarashi already did that. Like, is he really going to want to go back and work for the same thing and make the same games again? Like, I that, that that's what I don't know. Well, he he went he left Konami to then make it basically castlevania again well yeah but like they weren't gonna let him make the castlevania he wanted it just like i that seems like a crazy thing like that's a, like people would assume that kojima would then make metal gear again if this happened but if i was kojima i'd be like fuck no i'm not yeah, seems, like i'm good he seems unleashed and now he can kind of do whatever he wants so i don't know if he'd want to do metal gear solid but like to me the fact that koji ishirashi or yeah, whatever his name is, he left to then make basically the same thing, just with a different name. Yeah, but like it, it is also like a lot more goofy and weird. Whereas if it was another Castlevania game, it would have been like a lot more self-serious. And yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I guess I don't even know what he wants to do. Like, I, I don't right. know if he actually wanted to make Bloodstained or if he just felt like that was the thing he could get Kickstarter funding for. Yeah, that's true, too. So, so like, I, I, guess, I guess, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know his reasoning behind it, so. 
But I mean, their Metroidvanias are still pretty popular, so you could find a studio to make a Castlevania. Yeah, you could. I don't think you could then stick a sixty dollars price tag on it, but mm. I mean, I I could see Sony like funding a thirty to forty dollar Castlevania experience, though. Okay, that would be awesome. I don't know if it would happen though. Yeah. So we might get some more virtual fighter, maybe. Yeah, dog. I'm so excited. So there's a Sega put out a like a weird silhouetted picture. They have this. It's a famous Japanese actor who will often like do weird parodies of the virtual fighter character Akira. And uh, that's just that's just what the silhouette is. It just looks like a virtual fighter character, and it is specifically the 25th uh that they said they were going to announce this and i think it is some crazy anniversary of virtual fighter but it they also seem to be saying it was fighting game related so i i they may bring back virtual fighter which it's been oh i don't know when the last version of virtual fighter 5 came out at least five years now so i i would love to see it come back i think that would be awesome yeah, I mean, I haven't heard Virtua Fighter in a very long time. Yeah. Um, I can... Yeah, Virtua Fighter 5 was 2006 in arcade, 07 PS3, so... They, like, made... They did some update after that a few years later. I just can't remember. Well, they they did Virtua Fighter Final Showdown in 2012. 2012, that's what it was. Okay, so it was eight years ago now. So, yeah. I would... Well, it was in Yakuza 6. It was, yeah, but that, I don't count that as like a release, you know? I mean? No, but <laughs> so, it was in Yakuza 6. It was, and I enjoyed it. I played a lot of it in there. <laughs> So yeah, there's not much to this. It's just they put out that weird promotional image and it seems like it, they're probably going to announce some type of virtual fighter game. So that's that's cool right. with me. Yeah, that that I mean, I know you really like virtual fighter. Yeah. Okay. Now this next thing. Did you see the 2019 Metacritic game publisher rankings? No. Okay. That was released March 10th. So I thought I'd turn it into a little game. Okay. And I want you to guess what you think the top five publishers, uh, of, according to Metacritic, like their, their publisher rankings. Who do you think the top five are? Top five publishers? From last year, yes. Like, is that worldwide? I. Uh, what do you mean? Well, because so like my because like CD Projekt Red, they were if, here. That was Warner Brothers. I will keep in. This was just 2019. Oh, 2019. And you needed, and you needed to have at least five, uh, games. Okay, that at least five. Oh, yes. Sony, <laughs> they are twenty second. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, yep. Holy shit! Nintendo. Nintendo is 
third. Third, okay. Uh, and I get, I just have to say Microsoft then. And the seventh. Seventh. Wow, they really beat Sony by that much. Yeah. Whoa. Sony had, did not have a great year, but you have to keep in mind Sony did have that uh, motorcycle game. I can't think of. Right oh, now. Days Gone. And then they also had that skeleton game. Medieval. Uh, in medieval. Yeah, but they also and had so Death they, Stranding. They they had Death Stranding, right? Which would have sold but, a lot of copies. But this is based on the Metacritic scores. Oh, 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 okay. That makes sense that Nintendo would be so high up there then. Uh, yes. Oh, God. You will never guess the number one. I Chucklefish? No. No? I don't even know if they're... Chucklefish isn't even ranked in the top 40. Damn. I... Are you drawing a blank? Yeah, because I can't think of anyone that had like good, like really good Metacritic scores last year, I guess. Uh, We'll start with number five. Okay. Capcom. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that makes sense. Number four, you would have never guessed in a million years. Uh, Paradox Interactive. What did Paradox Um, put out last year? Uh, the big one is Age of Wonders Planetfall. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? They... <laughs> okay. <laughs> they... yeah. Uh, number three was Nintendo. Uh-huh. Number two, Activision Blizzard. For what? The, the, uh, Sekiro. The... Oh, Call God, that doesn't count. That's bullshit. I'm mad now. Uh, I guess the Overwatch... Switch port counts. Yeah, of course it does. Interesting. And then num- and then number one, five oh five games. Really? Yes. Oh, because control yeah, did review that. very well. Uh, and so did Bloodstained. So did Bloodstained, and I think they had another one. I always forget the weird shit that they they publish random stuff. Uh, yeah. Like it seems but yeah, like Control and Bloodstained were their two big ones. So. They also have just like a lot of weird. Um, I I don't know why they have so much money, <laughs> but it seems like they people just go to them and are like, "Hey, I don't know, can you publish our game?" And they'll be like, "Yeah, sure, fuck it, I don't know." Well, I think they also like, like Control was basically made by the time I think they started publishing it. Yeah, I, I think so. So. And also Bloodstained. I mean, like, how much money did they really put into Bloodstained? Yeah, I think they just did marketing because of the, that was just a Kickstarter. I mean, it had made most exactly. of the money it needed, so. Yeah. So, yeah, 505, just uh, the top publisher on Metacritic. I just thought that was crazy. I and... never would have guessed that, ever. No. <laughs> uh, so, uh, finally... We have the Nintendo Indie Showcase. Now, I thought what I could do here is I'm just going to do a quick rundown of everything that was shown. And then after, just pick any games and we can, whatever you want to talk about, we can just kind of talk about. We don't need to kind of talk about every single game that was shown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I watched this and I I don't know that there was anything that I was like super interested in other than the good life, which I backed on Kickstarter anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I felt. um, (laughs) Yeah. 
Enter the or exit the gungeon, which yeah, is just a small little sequel to Enter the Gungeon. Yeah, that was ex- exclusive to Apple Arcade originally. Yes, which I couldn't even imagine playing that game on a phone. Me either. <clears throat> uh, Pixel Junk Eden Two, uh, obviously a sequel to Pixel Junk Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Last Campfire, uh, the next game from Hello Games, who made um, No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. Uh, Blue Fire. Which just looked like a 3D platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baldo, just an action adventure RPG. Yep. I Am Dead, a uh, puzzle adventure game. Uh, Bark, which at first I was like, I'm kind of interested in this. And then I saw it was a bullet hell <laughs> game. And I was like, I don't really have a lot of interest in that. But it does have dogs, cats, bunnies, and bears. Fun. Uh, Freakopolis, which I... is the cyanide and happiness people. I wish. Uh, you know, never mind. I'll keep my feelings about cyanide and happiness to myself on the podcast. <laughs> I all I'm gonna say is I think we've outgrown cyanide. I yeah, I think we've outgrown that. I, yes, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Summer and Mara, which just looked like a farming game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quantum League was that like competitive shooter that didn't look particularly great graphic wise, but it looked okay, I guess. Yeah. The Good Life, which you had mentioned. Yep. Uh, Feria, it's a strategy card game. Mm-hmm. Eldest Souls, which just made me laugh really hard at the name. Uh, it just looked like a Bosch Rush game. So that was really weird Very because great. I had watched a video about that game the day before that came out. Okay. So, like, I thought it was weird because that one was, like, already announced, I guess. I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, moving out, it just kind of looks like it overcooked, but mm-hmm. you're moving furniture. And then Sky Racket, it's another bullet hell game. And then the last one was Sky Children of the Light. It's from the developers of Journey, and it was another Apple arcade game. Yes, yes it was. So the one that, for me personally, is moving out, and I know we've discussed this before, it just looks like a fun game that you and I could just kind of dick around and have some fun with. Yeah, was that one of the ones that they showed at the original Google Stadia event, or was that a different moving game? Um, I don't remember, but they've definitely... I think moving out has been shown at other Nintendo showcases. Okay. Indie yeah, showcases. I, I'm pretty sure it was a, the original Google Stadia thing where they showed some game where you like move furniture or do something like that. So... I do know there's another one where you, it's like totally reliable. God, I don't even remember now. Hmm. But it's similar to moving out, and that's coming out April first. I don't. I'd have to look up the name. I don't yeah. remember. But yeah, so it was yeah. a it was a strange indie showcase, uh, especially because I think a lot of those games were announced already. Like I had seen Baldo a long time ago, obviously the good life, uh, eldest souls. And then like, I am pretty sure that, uh, Oh, what the fuck? I can't remember. Uh, summer and Mara, I think I had seen before as well. That's what it was. Right. So right. yeah, it's just it was a weird one, and I didn't even know it was happening. I saw afterwards someone said, "Oh, 
check out the cool indie showcase. It's like, oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, and it, I, it felt like a little weaker of an indie showcase. Usually, almost every showcase has at least a couple games that I'm excited about, and this one. The only one is, as I said, moving out, but I had already seen that before, so it's hard to get excited about a game that I already knew was coming out next month. Yeah. And by the way, the game I was thinking of is Totally Reliable Delivery Service. Oh, interesting. Yes. Which has, it? it's this weird game where you like, you're delivering packages, but it seems to have the physics of, um, oh God, what is that game? It's the, the it. It's not quite a fighting game. It's kind of like a wrestling game, but gang like, beasts. Gang beasts, yes. So imagine like basically that engine and that those physics, but you're delivering packages cooperatively with other people. That would be fun. Yes, it it seems interesting. Yeah. So I guess with that, we'll move into uh, the games that we have been playing. Yes, um, we have been playing uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Yeah, which I think still holds up quite well. Yes, um, quick little story. We forgot that uh, memory cards were things. So yeah, the first so night we I... played, <laughs> we didn't save. That is true. We had to restart, which mm-hmm. then you restarted and kind of just played through that section again. Yeah, it did not take that long to get back there because you can just skip most of the dialogue and the battles in the beginning aren't very difficult. So, right, interesting. But no, I yeah, the yeah. humor still holds up. I it's still crazy bizarre how Madame Flurry, the ghost lady, has the world's largest jiggly boobs I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know how that got in there. Uh. Yeah, that and just um, it's also just weird that it has such a unique battle system and very few games copied it. Yes. Yeah. And even Nintendo stopped doing the battle system like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume this is the last one that they did in this in this style, right? Uh, yeah, because Super Paper Mario was not really an RPG per se. I well, I think technically Sticker Star and all the other ones have the same battle system. I think it is like the Sticker's... active time based one. Well, Sticker Star, one of them has like a there's like a card mechanic. There is like I mean outside of the partners, but I mean the way you battle is still the same. Like you hit the buttons at the right time to block well or do whatever. But I mean that's oh, okay. they they took that from Super Mario RPG in the first place. So. Right, right, right. Uh. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I don't I like before with Wind Waker, I don't have a lot to say about it other than that I it still holds up, I think. Like it is just it still looks good too, just because it's that weird two D paper craft art. Yeah, I I bet it's one of the better looking uh, GameCube games, if not the best looking GameCube game, just because because of the art style. Yeah. And it's one of those ones wow. where I don't know why they haven't re released like a Paper Mario and Paper Mario Thousand Year Door collection or something, because that just seems like it would be easy money <laughs> for them. And this is the same com- this is the same company that refuses to make or release another Pokemon Snap, so I mean that's true. 
What I thought was funny about this actually is because it's Inti uh, Intelligent Systems that made the Paper Mario games, and now they're forced to work in the Fire Emblem dungeon. Right. Uh, around the time that Thousand Year Door came out was when they started localizing Fire Emblem games for the Game Boy Advance. In that first town, there's that kid playing a Game Boy Advance who's like, man, have you guys heard about this new game called Fire Emblem? It's fucking dope. <laughs> I was like, oh, little do you know, everyone's heard of Fire Emblem now, Koopa. Yes. God. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that who knows the next time we're going to play this. Yeah, I know. It's a bummer. So, um, But you I've have been, been playing... playing a game that I would love to play. <laughs> yes, in uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Yeah. It may be the best looking game of the year. Like our my the first 2020 game I play might win best looking. It, it looks it's such a beautiful It game. looks incredible and it plays very well from the yes. 15 minutes I played. <laughs> if yes, it feels just so fluid and good. Uh you hit a certain point in this game and you're barely ever touching the ground. It's kind of a lot like uh, Spider-Man in that sense where you're just kind of, you're just kind of bopping around and just you're in the air almost 80, 90% of the time. It's just, nice. it's just so much fun to get around. Um, it, it is a very well-made Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm loving the abilities and I love the fact that you get the uh, little bit of a spoiler. You get the double jump. 30 minutes into the game yeah because as we discussed i mean like almost every metroidvania you get it so late in the game you can't even really enjoy it that much i mean but getting it so early you're able to get around a lot more and get get to all these different places just it's very refreshing yeah definitely uh i don't it's uh, there's not a lot i can say because like i just feel like metroidvania it kind of just speaks for itself you just kind of go around you explore you find new abilities so then you can get to new areas and i mean that's it's just like every other uh, metroidvania it's yeah breaking any but, but grounds, i mean but, it, but i mean outside it, of that it, like it it does change what ori was quite a bit right i mean like now it's melee combat that is actually pretty like nuanced uh there are like people around so you do quests and things like that uh you like can build up that village through side quests and paying money and stuff. I like, I just think that it takes what was cool about Ori in the first place and just like blows it out to this huge, cool experience. Yes, absolutely. The, I, I kind of forgot the first one didn't even have any melee. Yeah. It was just like that weird little orb of light that you would just kind of mash and it didn't really matter. Yeah, like the combat was just so non-existent where now you're kind of encouraged to engage in combat. A lot like uh, Hollow Knight where you get these, uh, I don't even know, they're like yellow orbs and then that's currency. So then you can buy different abilities or you can buy maps or you can buy... uh, Or you can just kind of maps, abilities, power-ups type of thing. Uh, so so the game is like encouraging you to go out of your way and fight enemies to get more currency so then you can kind of get stronger. So it's not quite an RPG, but it does have that like RPG element, I guess, where you can kind of 
up your character. And then, yes, I did forget about the side quests, which the way they have the side quests, it just kind of feels natural that you're just kind of exploring and you're just kind of stumbling upon a lot of these uh, uh, side quests. Yeah. So the reason Uh, I couldn't play... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, I was going to say the reason that I couldn't play was because the PC version has this pretty wild audio bug for a lot of people where... I can't really describe it, but it is like distorted robot noise (laughs) that happens every so often and just completely cuts out all other sound and the music, which is like, to me, what brings a lot of that experience together in Ori. Uh, And then later it happens every time the game autosaves, which is very frequently. So it was just one of those things where I was like, I'll wait. And I, when I had checked yesterday, they still didn't have the patch out. I didn't look again today, but I hope that within the next couple of days it comes out because I would really like to play. Yeah. Do you think it's one of those things where it'll hit a certain back? It'll hit a certain what? Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Us hit like a certain point in the year where you're just like, well, no, I guess it's too late and I just won't go back at this point. Uh, yeah, probably. I I just like because now I just want to play Animal Crossing. Uh, right. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It depends because, I mean, I guess I don't really know what's going to happen in the next few weeks here if Amazon will even be able to deliver a lot of the games that I was getting in the first place. So, I yeah, I don't yeah, know. But I, I really would like to play this because, like, the first 20 minutes I was like, oh, shit, this is cool. What's this weird sound thing? And then I looked it up and everyone was like, it does that the whole game. And I was like, no. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, you, like, did you at least outside of oh. that? I still enjoyed it. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. Do you, I was just kind of wondering, do you think you'd ever hit a point where you're just like, eh, forget this and I'll just you pull out your Xbox and play it that way? Uh, maybe because I, I could do that. Yeah, I always forget that I have Game Pass, so I could just do that. Maybe right. uh, I would guess that they're probably going to fix it this week or next week because it it's not just the audio issue. Like there are a lot of other bugs in the PC version. Like it seems like maybe it was put out just a little too early. Um, yeah. So. But I mean, uh, the Xbox version is definitely like that as well, where it yeah. itches and does have issues. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like outside of that, the PC version also has like weird, like not enough graphical options. So it's just it it's weird and like sometimes the you can't really like change the controller layout and have it save properly. <laughs> so, oh. so there's a lot of weird stuff going on outside of the audio thing. So I think they will try to do it pretty quickly. Yeah, and they're a weird studio I know because it's like Moon Studios or something mm-hmm. where they don't really have to worry about it being a big office because they just kind of uh, work together remotely. Yeah. So they can just kind of, I think they're like working at home and just kind of working together in all these different locations. And I think that's how a lot of games are going to start being made, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, definitely. Because I I assume like, not to get off track, but like a a studio like Ubisoft, that probably has like thousands of people in one office. I assume they're not all working at that office together. Yeah, I would assume that too. But I mean, at least a lot of those larger studios, like they still work at shared from studio to studio. So it might be one of those things where they already do have the tech in place to just be able to work wherever. 
Yeah, but I think it is. It would just be a little different working from in the office and working at home. I don't know if that would make them a little more inefficient or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, but how about you tell me about Animal Crossing? How how's that going for? Uh, it is my favorite thing. I uh, I just Animal Crossing makes me zone out in the best possible way. Like, and I just, I smile the whole time I play this stupid fucking game because it just, it, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning, you can't even do anything. Like, all I did was catch fish for four hours last night because it's midnight. All the the two villagers you get at the beginning are asleep. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know, I'm running around with my, my dumb fishing rod. But I do, I do think that this is going to pan out and be the best animal crossing which i know a lot of people don't necessarily think that way because people will always have like oh my favorite one was the first one i had or whatever um nintendo games seem to be that way yeah i think so like zelda like a lot of people one of the earlier zeldas that they played is always their favorite yeah but the thing that's weird about animal crossing is like each one has just gotten more features from the last one. So it's one of those things where it's like, really, you like the original DS one better than New Leaf on the 3DS? That seems wild to me. <laughs> like, people yeah. will say stuff like that. And I'm like, how? It just has, it literally has less in it. Like, there's not, like, if I go back and play the original Animal Crossing now, like, y- you can't do anything. I don't know how I played it for, like, hundreds of hours when I was younger. Like, there's nothing in it like other than just like randomly talking to fun animal friends like there's not really content or anything so it's just strange uh so was the first one on gamecube yeah it was on n64 in japan and then they put out the plus version of it on gamecube and that's what came to the u.s for the first time okay and you had that version yeah so i remember vividly buying a Nintendo Power magazine when I was on vacation in Maine with my parents because I saw the cover and said, whoa, this looks like my jam. And I read the spread that was like five or six pages about Animal Crossing probably hundreds of times. Uh, oh, I was wow. I was unrealistically excited for the original <laughs> Animal Crossing when it came out. And I did. I liked it. Uh, and I remember playing it all the time. Um, and then obviously, like, yeah, when the next one on DS came out, I got that. The only one I did not play was the one on the Wii, City Folk. Uh, and I don't know why, it just kind of passed over me. But I did play the 3DS one, New Leaf, probably as much as I played the original one and loved it. But this one, it goes, it goes beyond those in a way that I think is really interesting because... In every ever other Animal Crossing game, you basically are a, the only human person that exists in this world full of animals, and you take a train to, like, an already established town. So, like, you get there, and it has all the facilities. Like, it'll have, like, the a bank and a museum, and everyone will already have their houses and stuff. That is not what New Horizons is at all. Like, it is... You get to... When they say a deserted island, like, they're not kidding. It's just an empty island when you get there. And so one of the things that I think is going to make it cool and a lot more special for people is that like you choose where everything goes. So like when something gets built, you place it, you supply the materials. So it seems like it's one of those things where everyone's island is going to be like a super personal thing that they like helped create. 
And so that's really cool. I like that. So like now I have a house, not just a tent, but I still only have two villagers and they still only have tents, but I know they eventually upgrade those to houses. And then within the next couple of days, more people will come to the island and you can invite them to live there and stuff. But I, I've built a museum. And the thing that I think is interesting is they added this new achievement system where you like complete tasks that you would be doing anyways just like catching a certain number of fish or picking a certain number of weeds and things and then you get these achievement points called nook miles which you can exchange for quality of life things so like at the beginning of the game your inventory is only has like 20 slots but you can buy more slots and so like that's better you can then like buy uh, an easier way to switch tools. You get an easier way to like store things. And it's just like, it's cool because it feels like there is a sense of progression outside of just like, Oh, I did this thing. So eventually I'll get a new building. It, it just feels now like you are actually progressing by playing the game. And I, I don't know. It just feels a lot better to me personally. Right. So. Now I'm not too familiar with this genre. Yeah, I played Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. and got really into it. How how different is this to like a Stardew? So I mean, the main difference is just like it's basically Stardew Valley without the crop growing aspect, right? Like it still right. has like the equivalent of mining. I mean, you don't really fight enemies, but like you can mine rocks and get materials. Uh, and that's that's one of the main new things about this one is that there's a lot of crafting involved now. So like you have to craft your tools and they can break, but it's never a big deal because you'll always have way more than enough materials to make another one. Or you can just pay for a new one if you'd like, and they're not very expensive. But yeah, I don't know. It Animal Crossing is always weird for me to talk to people about because it's like, I never know what to say that you do. Right. Because it's basically just like you, whatever you, whatever you want to make it is what it ends up being, I think. But it is, it's just like the same type of addiction I get from something like Stardew Valley. It's just like, oh, I'm fishing a lot to collect fish or trying to crossbreed flowers to make a new cool flower or something, collecting furniture, whatever. So I, I, I don't know how close it is to Stardew Valley. Like I had this same conversation with my friend Scott because his brother was like, Oh, it's just like harvest moon. And I was like, no, (laughs) it isn't right. And like, I also know it is. Yeah. It's kind of in the same genre, but it is different as well. So, but like, whereas like, I would think that Scott wouldn't like this game at all, but he bought it. I think just to prove me wrong. Uh, and he seems to be enjoying it enough so far. So I I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's weird. Cause it's also one of those things where you like, there's a, you could play forever to just like grind getting fish and doing things. But at a certain point, it's just like, you're just playing to play because like last night at 4am, it was like, I I can't do anything. And I, all the stuff will be upgraded on the next day, which the day quote unquote rolls over at 5am. So technically I'm on my second day, but like you, you have to wait time essentially at a certain point. And that's what I think might turn a lot of people off is because it's just, it's real time right so yeah i did buy this and doom mm-hmm. but i didn't want to go out and like go to like gamestop mm-hmm. or wherever to to buy it mm-hmm. so i just kind of bought them on amazon and i was going to pre-order them 
but I had a gift card from Amazon from like Christmas. Oh yeah. And I was like, I don't know how gift cards work for pre-orders. So then I just decided to wait and just buy them today. Yeah. I don't, are you, did they delay your order? Cause I know Nukio didn't get his, that he had pre-ordered from Amazon a long time ago. And it seemed like they may have delayed it indefinitely. Uh, the email I have right now says it to be next week. Oh, okay. So. That's not that bad then. No, I, it, it I have enough games going on right now that I'm not too yeah. worried about it. But yes. But yeah, like normally so I buy I everything. Plan oh. You plan on checking <laughs> yep. it out? Okay. Well, oh. I... Uh, sorry. Normally I uh, buy everything physically, but I bought this digitally just because I didn't want to be out at GameStop. But... um. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm very excited to give it a try. It does come out, so. Yeah. But you played Fire Emblem Three Houses, huh? Yes, because uh, I, I have uh, Gamefly, so they sent me that yester- or a couple days ago, so mm-hmm. I finally got a chance to play it yesterday. I only got about a half hour of uh, playing time, mm-hmm. so basically I just got through the prologue and then chose whatever house I I was going to join, and that's basically all I've done. So. What did you choose? I chose the woman, the old uh, Black Empire. Eagles. Yes. Interesting. Uh, I... I don't want to like complain because like I'm only a little bit into it, but I would have liked if they gave more context to what you're choosing at the beginning. I know there are other websites you can kind of look up and just see, but like that's a huge decision right at the beginning of the game. It, really, no context of well, but I did, I mean the literal only context you need is do you think the characters are cool because they're all the same. <laughs> Oh, okay. Like, I, I mean, obviously, were, like, the the, the story will be different, but I mean, that initial choice is basically just, hey, pick the ones that you think are the coolest. Right. <clears throat> Which I almost chose the one that you chose. The... Yeah, Golden Deer. Yes. But mm-hmm. then I was like, well, I like old empires, and they were like, and that's the way they described it. It was like the ancient empire. So I went, okay, I'll just pick her then. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, I, I definitely almost went Golden Deer. And then also part of me thought about picking the other guy, the Knights or whatever. Yeah, the Blue Lions there. That's what I would pick if I played again, I think. Because you at, at first he just seems very plain, but I do remember you saying they seem like they could have the most interesting storyline. Yeah, I think the second half of theirs seems like it could be the most interesting. So I don't know. It depends. I mean, it... The the one you chose has multiple paths, whereas the others only have one. So oh, okay, they have slightly more story content. Technically, so, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll let you know what I think of it as I play it. I, there's not a lot happens in the prologue. It's basically just a tutorial teaching you how the combat works. Yeah, yeah. and then have, having you choose one of the houses, and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that'll do it for what we've been playing, I think, which will have us move into our uh, ranking of indie developers here. (laughs) 
Yes. And uh, I chose these five, which I kind of went over last uh, episode, but I'll go through the five again. It's 505 Games, mm-hmm. Chucklefish, mm-hmm. Devolver, Humble Bundle, and Team 17. Yes. Those are the five we're going through. I do want to give a quick shout out to another one, mm-hmm. and that is Image and Form. And they do the um, SteamWorld Dig and SteamWorld Quest. Those oh, yeah. SteamWorld games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only self-publish their own games, but they've released, I think, four games this generation. And they've all been very consistently good. So I just wanted to give them a quick shout out. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if, I don't know if you can think of any developers off or you know publishers offhand. Uh, I mean, other than like Annapurna, not really. But I mean, they're the same type as these, where they just publish a whole bunch of stuff. So, should we have Annapurna here, or are these five probably the right five to do? Uh, I think these five are good to do. Okay, because I mean, they're like also bigger. I think. Yes. Yes. So. Uh, but yeah, okay. five oh five. They have had an incredible generation. I've heard. Really start looking at it. Uh, Abzu. Uh, yeah, uh, which we played through, and it is. I so I go back and forth on my thoughts on this game. It's like okay. I don't know. It's it's more like pretty to look at than a fun game. I think that's that's how i would describe it too it's okay it didn't really blow me away that much and then you just kind of swim around and look at the art yeah i i like a little bit more involved gameplay and then i like a little bit more involved storytelling yeah some people the story really resonated with them where really didn't do much of anything no, yeah, I mean, it's just about how, like, man invades nature or whatever, and it just, I mean, it's, it's, it is fine enough, but it's pretty heavy-handed in its imagery with the, like, weird robot ships and shit that are underwater and hurting the fish or whatever, so. Right. I don't know. But yeah, Abzu was interesting, and they, they published that. Uh, yes. Control, though, big fan. <laughs> So, yeah, you had this in your top 10 at uh, last year. I did. The DLC comes out soon or is out now, I think, the first story DLC. Um, I know it's out very soon or right now, but it, that's only PlayStation. Really? I believe the, like, the Xbox is um, delayed for whatever reason. Interesting. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. the The control DLC isn't released till June on Xbox, so huh. it seems like it's a couple months uh, delayed for for Xbox users. I think Sony may have paid a little more or something for Possibly. for the rights of the DLC, or like a timed exclusive DLC. Huh. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about Control a lot on this podcast, yes. both through Game of the Year and just from when you played it and then when I played it. And it's, you know, I, I like it. It's that weird paranormal slash supernatural third-person shooter, and it just... it Remedy is a good developer, and so 
I, I don't know. Like, I, I would have expected this game to be good. I guess I just wouldn't have expected it to be as critically well-received as it was, but, I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, this won multiple Game of the Years from multiple outlets. I think IGN gave a Game of the Year. Uh, Game Info gave a Game of the Year. I can't think... I know there might have been others as well, but, like, this was... This resonated very well. Oh, yeah, definitely resonated with a lot of journalists and just people in general, I think. Yes, yes. And I I remember hearing the sales numbers, and it didn't sound great, but it seemed like Remedy was happy with it. So as long as they're happy with the sales numbers... I would assume after Alan Wake, they would have been happy with anything. Yeah, and I don't think Quantum Break really lit the world on fire. No, yeah, definitely not. So, uh, now where you really liked control, and then I thought control was good, but not like I, it, I, I feel like we kind of flip flop with Bloodstained, where I really, really liked Bloodstained, and you thought Bloodstained was just kind of like good to all right type of thing. Yeah, I Bloodstained is weird too because like I backed that at the physical copy tier, and I was really excited for it, and like I did like it. It's just one of those things where it's like. Yeah, you did the thing you wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like, I think it is. Right. It's exactly what it was supposed to be. Do you think because they released so many of these, especially in the DS era, you just kind of got burnt out on this type of game? Especially yeah. Like this Castlevania style? Yeah, I just think I'm burnt out on Metroidvanias in general now. Right. Because, like,. At- everything as we said is either a roguelite a metroidvania or a card battling thing sometimes they're combinations of the three and it just like yeah i don't know maybe it's fatigue but yeah there were so many castlevania games like this that it's just like oh yeah this is another good one of those but i i do really like right. it yeah yeah I, this is another one of those that's it's hard to talk about because we've talked about it in such length it's mm-hmm. just this Eh, probably like 15 hour, you know, side scrolling exploration game where you're just kind of running around getting cool abilities. And they did do some really weird stuff with it, with uh, just all those shards and just there was a ton of variety. In oh, yeah, there's 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 definitely a ton of variety. And it's just a lot of wacky, weird shit, like those paintings that come to life and then they're like chasing you down, which those paintings were um, uh, uh, not Patreon supporters, uh, Uh, backers, backers, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they were. So, So, yeah, yeah, that's that's weird. This game just had a lot of just like weird shit that didn't really work together, but somehow they still pulled it off. (laughs) Now you uh, played Indivisible. Yeah, this is another one where I just realized now that this was also this was an Indiegogo, not a Kickstarter, but I mean same difference. Uh it's right. this is Lab Zero, the people who made Skullgirls, and I really was excited for this game and it just I don't know, man. It was I think it was pretty disappointing in the end. Like it just I think they made a lot grander promises than they could keep and i still don't even know that they like put out the dlc characters that were promised that had to be cut from launch but i I don't know it's a good game and it is just trying to be it's another thing like bloodstained where it's trying to be something else 
well, Bloodstained right. actually succeeded in it. I think that Indivisible like had a good battle system, but it just didn't capture what Valkyrie profile was, which is what it was trying to be. But I, I mean, it had really good animation. Lab Zero is really good at making cool animation and like good fighting game esque systems. So that part of it was good. I just think the story and the traversal and the backgrounds kind of fell a little bit flat. But other than that, yeah, this is one of those games that was actually added to Game Pass recently. Yeah, so I've been thinking about it, uh, downloading it at some point when I have some free time, and at least just giving it a try because why wouldn't you? Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, this was one that was kind of mixed. Was uh, I didn't hear a lot of great things, although Nukio seemed to like it, didn't he? Uh yeah. I don't know how he ended on it. Like I don't know if he ended up really liking it or not. But he got the platinum trophy, so he did everything he could do in it. At least I would assume that would mean he liked it. Oh, I've done that on a lot of games I don't really like, so I guess it it's pretty easy, I think, to get it. So I don't know. Um, five hundred five also published No Man's Sky. Yeah, which on is another just just the Xbox weird. Though. Yeah, just the Xbox, which is just another weird. Like did. They really need this to be published by someone else? Uh, yeah, they probably didn't have the money or the, like, marketing chops to be able to do that on their own, I would guess. I, well, here's the thing, like, everybody knew, knows what No Man's Sky was. Well, yeah, but, like, no Man's I also... Time, so, like... I think that <sighs> 505 published Joe Danger... And Joe oh. Danger 2 before. Okay. So so they did have a history with 505. I think so. Now I got to look that up. But I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know how else they would have gotten it on Xbox. Without. I that. guess I'm just assuming that um, No Man's Sky made a lot of money. Because I thought it did make like a it did, but then that's one of the things where I would figure that they they just need someone to do the work for them of working with the console holder and stuff like that. Right. I I did want to just kind of look briefly. I guess the last campfire they are self-publishing, so I guess they also self-published Joe Danger. Hmm. Never mind. It's really weird. So, yeah. I don't know why No Man's Sky they went to to five oh five, but you know, I'm sure five oh five was like, yeah. I mean that's even though for the wrong reasons, No Man's Sky is definitely one of the most recognizable games of this generation. That's true. Uh maybe they needed them for the physical distribution. Uh yeah, that, that would probably make sense because like Joe Danger Um and uh the last campfire i think they're just gonna be digital only i don't think that's going to be like a physical copy so. yeah i would guess that they're digital only so so that would make sense because like 505 would be able to have those connections of physical releases where you know i i'm guessing hello games just don't have those connections so yeah and then yeah the other like rocket league i feel like is in the same place as 
a couple of these other ones where the developer psionics i feel like had mostly funded it and done everything <laughs> right so i i yeah it's just a weird one and rocket league fucking blew up it was a big deal for a long time and people still love rocket league so it's i was gonna say it's not just a long time it's still extremely popular yeah. and that's what five years later yeah wow it was really that long ago now holy shit yeah it's july 20 uh 2015 boy that's crazy crazy now did they hmm, i'm just kind of wondering did 505 publish for all of the releases or just one of some of them do you know I would bet only some of them, but I guess I don't really know. Okay. Uh, looking into this, 505 started the physical retail versions. That's where they started publishing. Okay. So this was, um, and that was a year later, 2016. So hmm. um, it's hard to give them too much of a, because this game was already out a year. But yes, they only did the physical version, published the physical. So yeah. once again, I guess it was just for the physical district. Yeah. But did you get into Rocket League or? Uh, I did in the beginning of it. Like I played quite a bit of it, but I never got good at it. It was just right. I would dick around with it every so often. And it is a fun game. I really like it, but I never wanted to be like super into it or anything right you you played it you understood what it was and just kind of moved on type yeah for sure and so i think that's so, all for 505 probably yes uh we'll see where they rank i there that's gonna be a hard one to rank because like although they did publish these games like i how much were they involved type of thing if we should factor that in have to kind of figure out on the fly how we're going to do that. Yeah. But we can move on to Chucklefish. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the first game you have here is Eastward. Yes. Uh, what it, is this game again? It is a uh, pixel, a super good pixel art by a developer called like Pixpull? Pix, pixel? I never remember how it's spelled, but they are, uh, I believe they're from uh, Taiwan. I want to say, and it's just like okay. a third person action game that has like a real, real earthbound sense of personality. Uh, like the demo came out during the original game festival on steam and it's like Zelda esque in terms of like puzzle solving and stuff. But the, it's a guy and this little girl and he has a frying pan and then she can do other weird things to solve puzzles. But it is, I really like it. I wanted it. I was excited for it before Chucklefish took it on as the publisher. So, Okay. Yeah. So this is one that you're very excited about. Yeah, and I've is, wanted it for a long time. So, Is it supposed to be coming out this year? Yeah, it's supposed to come out in 2020. And it is okay. coming out on PC and Switch, I believe. Um, and then Pocket Rumble, we have played uh, 
cardboard robot i think is the uh developer but it's basically like trying to be a neo geo pocket fighting game and it's super simplified down to two buttons and simplified input so it's not like quarter turns or anything it's just forward and back there's like six or seven characters and i i really like this game because it's still even though it has simple inputs it still allows for a lot of depth I don't think it really ever took off because uh, they kind of like disappeared off the face of the earth for a really long time. Not Chucklefish, but the original developers. So like they announced right. that it was coming out to Switch and didn't do anything with it for a really long time. And then like stopped updating the PC version for like months and months. And then when it finally came out, it was like there was no fanfare and it seemed like a totally random release date. But I still really like Pocket Rumble, so. Yeah, it seemed really cool, but it also, for us personally, it also came out at a time where we kind of were moving away from fighting games. Yeah. So it, I, we we played it some. I'm guessing you played it a little Did It did seem very well made, uh, mm. very polished for what it was. But um, yeah, it, it did just kind of, it was very simple as well where just like one attack did one uh one bit of health cuz yeah, they have like 10, 10 hp or whatever each yep. character yeah something like and that and it wasn't like punches do x amount uh kicks do x amount it was just uh you know a punch and a kick or whatever you did did just one one damage so mm-hmm. i did really like the simplicity of that game yeah for sure um starbound's another one do not remember what this is oh starbound is the a lot of people who originally worked on terraria went on to make this and it's basically just terraria in space okay um this is another game that i got when it was first announced and they put it out in like super early access so it was one of the first early access games i ever bought and I believe that was also before Chucklefish was the publisher. Uh, and I wanted to like it as much as I liked Terraria, and I just didn't. But they have added to it a lot over time, and a lot of people got way into it. Um, but it was one of those things where maybe I just was looking for something that was just Terraria again. But it it was just different enough, and I played it. I don't remember if we beat it. I got like kind of near the end, and I played multiplayer with a couple people, but... It just, yeah, it's that kind of, like, 2D Minecraft shit, you know what I mean? Except it was in space. Yes. And FYI, um, the developer of Starbound is Chucklefish. Oh, really? Okay. So, they definitely, Chucklefish definitely didn't come in later. Interesting. I thought, (laughs) I didn't think that their name was on it in the beginning. No, it's definitely the developer and publisher fish that's crazy yeah it's saying in 2012 it was announced and it was a kickstarter game really i do not remember it on kickstarter i only remember buying it from their website oh kickstarter style pre-order opening via in the humble bundle store okay because hmm. i was gonna say i do not remember that yes so it, it was a kickstarter style. <clears throat> but yeah, that was uh, Chucklefish. 
Well, Chucklefish um, did not make Stardew Valley. One man did. And his name yes. is Concerned Ape. And he that was also a Kickstarter. And you know what? That Good for him. He fucking made infinity money off of Stardew Valley. Uh, yeah it's this is just one of those games that came out of nowhere and just just changed the land like i don't want to sound dramatic but it really kind of changed the landscape of gaming for a lot of people it did it made a lot of people realize that they're fucking stupid and could have been playing harvest moon in 1995 yes so that that's what gets me Uh, about stardew valley is like people are always like oh my god it's like life-changing and i loved it and it's like yes i too love harvest moon (laughs) Uh, do you think stardew valley is one of those games where you play that and then it would be hard to go back to 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 harvest moon or uh i think it would depend on which harvest moon like you could probably still end up getting a similar enjoyment out of like some of the game boy advance ones like friends of mineral town but outside of that i they're just slightly different enough like they don't have the same like, if you're just there for the farming and not so much the social aspect of it that Stardew Valley added, I think you could play Harvest Moon, no problem. Okay, because I didn't, as you know, I didn't engage with the social aspect. Yeah, which, like, I that's the only up. that's the only thing that makes Stardew Valley unique is the social aspect of it, more so. Yeah, and I never talked to anybody. I yeah. Just, I just kind of liked waking up, doing working on my farm. Yeah, and which I mean, that's time that's what Harvest Moon is. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a uh, just a really fun loop, and then I believe Chucklefish published the console version, correct? They did, and it was because he needed them to hire him a team to make the multiplayer version. So, oh yeah, Stardew Valley's weird because Chucklefish is no longer the publisher. <laughs> Like, he, outside of the console versions, like, he now is, again, self-publishing it on PC. Like, when they were done with the multiplayer, he was like, okay, our publishing deal's over now, and I am continuing to make single-player updates and self-publishing this on Steam and PC. Which is a weird, bizarre thing, but that's really strange. Yeah, I, I wonder how Chucklefish felt about that. I mean, I would assume that it was in the contract they had made or whatever, but right. so I, I guess he he may not support the multiplayer part of it. I think they have to or some strange thing. So I don't really know, but I also can't imagine playing that game multiplayer. I know a lot of people were really excited about that, but I've never seen a lot to do with that. Yeah, I'm, I was perfectly fine playing that game alone. Yeah, but I guess if like you want to just play with a friend and then you're both just kind of working on the the farm at the same time. Like I, I could see that being uh, fun and just kind of relaxing, like a relaxing co-op experience. Yeah. But no, Stardew Valley definitely makes me feel how I feel a lot when I watch people stream Animal Crossing who have never played it before when it just came out. And they're like, whoa, this is actually good, huh? And it's like, yeah, man, mm-hmm. everybody's been saying that forever. What the hell's happening right now? Yeah, I remember hearing a story of the developer, or yeah, the the concerned ape. Mm. Uh, I guess he'd been working on the game forever. Yeah, and then a couple of weeks before he released it, he just like the first person he had try was his girlfriend, and he was like, "Is this good?" <laughs> he didn't 
<laughs> he didn't even know if like you know you spend all that time and you're so close to it you don't even know you know what you, you've made it's just crazy yeah and he still is updating it for free like mm-hmm. uh, he's got to start charging for this shit because i would pay for it like every time I'm, i think to myself yeah i'll go back to stardew valley i read some article about how there will be a new huge single player update in like a month and i'm like well maybe i'll just wait then and <laughs> it, i think it's one of those cases where like because it's one person he doesn't have a lot of overhead it, imagine you made a game and then made millions of dollars yeah do you wouldn't you just like i guess i can just keep releasing updates and not charge anything no i guess I have and more like, than enough money good on him man <laughs> i'm just saying I, that shit's crazy yeah. i mean i'm just thinking like i would probably do that wouldn't you you're just like i don't need to charge for that no yeah yeah that makes sense but he's added so much to it since it launched yeah, yeah. that it just seems like it's been completely transformed in a way that i is baffling to me it's like dead cells. They just kept releasing new stuff. Oh and yeah, it was all free as well. It's like, guys, what are you doing? And the, yeah, and then their new DLC is what three dollars or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I might as well be free. But then, yeah, and then you get like huge developers with tons of overhead and stuff, and they're like, they can't even f- fucking do things to save their life. So it's just like the fact that one guy made Stardew Valley is, is still blows my mind every time I think about it. Yeah, which it also shows how much easy not to like diminish what he did, but how much easier it is to make games now than it was 20 years ago. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, a game that I played, you didn't play Time Spinner, correct? I did not know. I played this uh, maybe two, three weeks ago or maybe it was a month ago, but uh... I really liked it. It was just a lot of fun. It was another kind of like Bloodstained and Castlevania, uh, you know, style game. Uh, I just another Metroidvania where you're getting all these abilities and just kind of running and exploring. It's they're very hard games to talk about, but yeah, I, I feel very positive about this game. Probably one of my favorite games I played this year so far. Well, yeah, and Time Spinner is also a weird one to talk about because it, like, sometimes games are trying to be like other games, but Time Spinner is literally trying to be Symphony of the Night. Like, so much of the stuff in that game is just, like, so blatantly, this is Symphony of the Night that it's buck wild. Yes. Like, the way some of the music sounds, the way the save things are, the way you move from place to place. Like, it's crazy. Yes, and having just played symphony of the night uh in january i could definitely see the the correlations yeah. i do remember in 2018 when this game released and uh scott was at the the top 10 games of the year this was on his list yeah and you were like have you played symphony of the night and he was like no nah, i haven't played that and i'm guessing he will never play symphony of the night uh maybe not but i just yeah they are both i i assume that i would like time spinners just because it is I like Symphony of the Night and like I like that type of game. So when one is just like trying to pay homage super hardcore like that, I would probably enjoy it, I think. And you can play it right now. Is it free on Game Pass? It's on PC Game Pass. Oh, shit. Well, I got to catch fish forever in Animal Crossing, so I'll never get to it now. But that's cool. It's really short, too. It's it's probably less than 10 hours. 
Oh, cool. So you you could do it. You I just, could do it. I just I probably won't. should. You just won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did play Wargroove though. Yes. And I, it's a good game. I'm not. I can't trash it. It's. I love Advance Wars so much, and this just like didn't do it for me like Advance Wars did. But it is that same style of gameplay. Uh, and they they really go. They really went for it. I did not play it since they put out the free DLC that adds in another faction, but that's pretty cool that they were able to support it like that. Now, with this game, do you think you would have liked it more if they were if it was modern time? Possibly. I don't know that that really was what did it for me. It's just like they changed the uh, Advance Wars formula just enough where they have like they have hero characters. The generals are on the field instead of being like just an ability bar. Uh, So I think that changes it quite a bit for me, at least because I hate things like that, where when the main character dies, you lose. Um, But yeah, it also just doesn't necessarily have the same personality that advanced wars had either. Like, I think it's trying for something. It just, for me, it missed the mark in a lot of ways, but it still is a cool indie game that is at least keeping that style of game alive because like we talked about with Paper Mario, Intelligence Systems will never be able to make anything other than Fire Emblem ever again. So, Well, what also makes this unique is they really, like, nobody's really made a style game, have they? No, no one else. There was another one that came out like a year or so ago, and I can never remember if it was Full Metal Furies or something Chrome, Blazing Chrome. I, one of blazing those chrome. no blazing chrome was the uh, the konami uh shooter hell game okay because i was gonna say one of those was advance wars adjacent and the other one is totally not and i could never remember which one was which no blazing chrome god what uh contra oh yes. you're right okay blazing chrome was contra yeah <sighs> But yeah, I mean that it this is the only one that's really like just like hey, this is basically just one for one advance wars almost. So, it's cool that right. they, it's cool that they made it and I like it. And it seems like they have a pretty active like multiplayer competitive community and are continuing to support it. So, that's awesome. God, how long do those matches last? That must last a pretty long time. Uh, it really depends. Cause like if you're, you're playing at like a high level, you're going to turn off all the animations and stuff. So it probably doesn't take super long. Mm, that makes sense. Cause yeah. I remember uh, messing around with it for a bit and those matches could take, you know, almost an hour or so. They can, but usually in multiplayer matches, uh, it goes a lot quicker and then people are usually not shitty. It's the kind of thing that happens in Age of Empires matches where, like, you don't just, like, try to stay alive with your one villager and make the clock go up. Usually people will just surrender. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. When they know that they're going to lose and they can't come back, so. Yeah. So I think that's it for Chucklefish, which those are all good games. Uh... Yeah, minus Eastward just because it hasn't come out. Yeah, and I think outside of Stardew Valley and Time Spinner, like the rest of them are like cool games that maybe miss the mark a little bit, but um yeah, I mean like I look at Pocket Rumble, I don't really know what else they could have done differently. I feel mm-hmm. like that one they 
I mean, they they went for a niche genre and kind of like a niche game in that genre, and I I think they hit the mark. They just it was just so niche it just was never going to take off well yeah but then they like also just like blatantly stopped communicating yes. anything about it for months at a time and stuff so was, that that part i think is also not good but yeah that that's definitely on them yeah. and and maybe they going for that such such a niche market may have discouraged them from like oh nobody's playing this type of thing yeah possibly uh the next one Next uh, publisher we're going to talk about is Devolver, mm-hmm. who have been very busy this generation. They have. They publish a lot of stuff now, and they usually try. Their motto seems to be like the weirder, the better type shit. So. Well, if their uh, E3 uh, presentations are any uh, any like sign of what they're doing, then yes, they are definitely trying to be the weird outlier. Oh, definitely. Which they're yeah. also the ones who broke the news about E3. Uh, no, actually, the person who broke the news about E3 was a sex worker. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> uh, but um, no, yeah, Devolver <laughs> tweeted out that night, like, whatever. Uh, yeah, cancel, cancel your, your shit, hotel yeah. and airlines. So, yeah. Yeah, that sex worker... That's one of those. I don't know if that one is true, or if she was just uh, just making a, an educated guess. There's no way that you make that educated guess five days before that's actually canceled from some rando who doesn't even isn't even involved with the video game industry. That just seems I, I, like too I, crazy. That's like if yeah. I just made a random statement about the stock market today, and then in five days it was true. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, I could say right now, like, GDC in one month is going to be canceled. I, I think that's a pretty educated guess. Well, yes, but, like, you also know about GDC. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't yes, think she do. really had any idea what E3 was or what any of that was. So, <laughs> very strange. Which, whoever it was, why are you talking about that to a sex worker? Exactly. I, you know, you got to get really get <laughs> in the mood. E3's canceled. Maybe like what what is what is that conversation? Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh but anyways, uh the first game uh for Devolver is Absolver. Yeah, which is like this weird fist fighting game where you like learn fighting styles and I remember people being very excited about this and then maybe it was a little too weird and obtuse for its own good. Yeah, this was one I remember, as you said before, and then it came out and I didn't really hear anything. Not necessarily bad, not necessarily good. It just kind of came out and then just the conversation died about the game. Uh, Yeah, like I remember when it first came out, I know a couple people who played it and they're just like, this is weird and like maybe a little too obtuse and hard to learn. So I think that was also part of it. Now, this was, was this competitive or I'm trying to remember. No, it was like single player until a certain point, And then you would fight other real players sometimes, I think. 
Okay, and it was kind of like a fighting game, but not... yes, but like not really. It's a very oh, weird game I that's mean? super hard to describe. Yes, I like the best I can do is that Ubisoft game, a For Honor, kind of like that. But yeah, like but with more weirder. like just karate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Basically, karate for honor. I'll take that as a <laughs> as a description. Yes, that's that's the best we got. Yeah, uh, and then Ape uh, Out, it's very a cool game that had like uh, procedurally generated drum music going on. Yes, it was. The music is just it's very jazzy mm-hmm. as well. It had like a little bit of a jazz vibe. Uh, I love the art style. Yeah, it was yeah. just very simple, but also very colorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just really hard. Yeah, it's definitely one of those kind of like hotline. Supposed to die a lot. Yeah, you're definitely supposed to die a lot, which it makes sense. Yeah, like I mean, they also Devolver also published Hotline Miami, so it makes sense that this would also be a kind of a similar like, oh hey, same type of deal. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you play it? Ape Out? I did not, no. I saw a lot of gameplay of it. I think it is on PC Game Pass now. but It is. That's how I tried it. Yeah. No, yeah, that type of thing just isn't really my jam. Like, I, I played enough Hotline Miami to know that, like, it's cool, but not, not for me, I think. Yeah, like, there's that new uh, Bloodroots game that's in that same... That I actually do want to play. <laughs> but it's mainly just because of the art style and the animation and stuff. Yes. But I mean, it is very much in that, that style of genre of like man ape out where I feel like most people kind of hit a, you play it, it's fun. And then you hit a point where you're like, I don't, I can't get any further. I've kind of hit my limit. Yeah. Um, the next game is Broforce, which did you ever play this? I did. I played the really terrible PS4 port of it. Uh, yes, because it was a uh, PlayStation Plus one month. Yes, and the game is fun, I think, and like I think that the jokes are funny, like just the way the characters yes. are and how like so totally like America everything is. Uh, but and all the characters are like action hero names, but with bro in it somehow. Yeah, but boy, the frame rate in that version when you have four people is just like, holy fuck. I was going to say, were you with us when... I remember playing with Justin, but I don't I definitely people. played with Justin and Nukio. I don't know if I played with you. Because I remember... We, okay, did, were, we did beat it. I didn't, I didn't beat it, but I do oh. remember... Because it was just so bad. But I do remember one time playing with four people. Yeah. Uh, I at least I did definitely beat it with Justin and Nukio. We beat the final boss, and then like we were like, "All right, I think we're good now." <laughs> yeah, but it was it yeah, is. I would have liked it more if the frame rate wasn't just so bad. Yeah, I, I the PC version is probably all right, but it's just a dumb fun thing that was like pretty funny. I think. Yes. Was it? Did it get pretty hard? Uh, I mean, not really, especially if you have four people, just because of the way everything blows up. Right. Like, at a certain point, it's just like, well, everything's going to blow up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and God. I'm looking here. I guess that got released on the Switch in 2018. Really? 
I'm wondering how well that... Probably not. <laughs> because, like, it's one of those where it doesn't look graphically anything special, but there's just so much going on on the screen. Yeah, there's so many particles but... when that shit blows up and whatever the yes. hell else is going on. That Yeah, I don't know how you do that on the Switch. I have no idea. Uh, the next one, Crossing Souls, I don't remember anything about I this backed this game on Kickstarter and then did not play it. Uh, okay. I Originally, it was like pitched as like this cool, fun adventure game that was like really nostalgic to the 80s. Um, okay, yes. And so then when it came out, it was less like just an adventure game and more of like an action puzzle game that was like way, way too into the eighties. Uh, and so I just never ended up playing it, but I do, I own it, I guess. So yeah, it was one of those things where I just, after it came out, I saw a lot of people saying like, yeah, I don't really know about this. Cause that's like, it was around the same time as like stranger things was really popular and things like that. And so I feel like, the weird 80s pandering nostalgia was just like at a ridiculous high when it came out so i think people might have been a little burned out on that stuff right but i yeah yeah i never heard anything like overtly positive or negative about it i just remember people being like yeah i don't know it's whatever yeah this was another one that i think people I think sometimes you can get a little like beaten over the head with nostalgia as well. Where yeah, definitely feel like okay, you guys are trying a little too hard, and I feel like that was the case with this this game in particular. Yeah, but Downwell, that's my shit. What a good fucking game! I cannot think of the. It's a famous Japanese developer that is the guy behind this, but Downwell is like a super simplistic looking game where you are this little dude and you fall down a well, but he shoots guns out of his feet. And so it's like a roguelite and you get random power-ups, but as you go, you can unlock other variations of the character that have different abilities. And it just is really, it's fun and it, when it was new, it cost $5 and now like everywhere on every platform, it costs like 10 cents all the time. So if you, <laughs> if you have ever wanted to give down well a shot, you should just give it a shot. Cause it's like basically free. Uh, I played it a lot on the Vita cause it was crossed by with the PS4. But I remember it was on a giant bomb on professional Fridays. Mary Kish was on and she actually beats the game on stream for the first time. And she was, it was just, it was, it was just a really good run. Yeah. It gets really hard at the end, but it's, it's a super, it's, she did a very good job. And that's why I was like, I got to get this. This looks awesome. And it just is super fun. And it literally is you just falling down a well, I believe to rescue a cat that fell down the well. Hmm. How long is a run? Uh, I think if you were going to beat the whole thing, like maximum 15, 20 minutes. Okay. So standard roguelike. Yeah. It's, it's super short. Uh, if if you really wanted to get through the whole thing, it might even be shorter than that. If you because like, you don't have to kill all the enemies and stuff, you can skip a lot. Uh, but then like you're not necessarily getting the power ups or whatever. And it has an interesting right. combo system where you don't want to actually touch any platforms. 
And so like then you'll hmm. get like a currency multiplier thing. I don't know. I down well I really liked. It's very fun. And it was it's Ojiro Fumuto? Yes, I can't think of what Mappin. Uh, oh man. I can't he worked on something else a while ago and I he also was one of the first like Japanese developers to really embrace indie stuff because it was that was not really happening in Japan especially at that time. Uh, are, so are you thinking of UFO 50? Is he he is part of UFO 50? Yes. Okay, then maybe that is what I'm thinking of. That'll never come out, but someday, maybe. Are you excited for that? Yeah, I can't wait. I, it's going to be awesome. Very excited. The reason why I ask is because it's going to be in more in the style of like original Nintendo. NES. Yeah, but they also he, they have hidden a lot of weird shit in those games. And so I'm just curious so to I see how they all come together. Right. I was just kind of wondering how I... Uh, because we're not nostalgic for like the NES, we're nostalgic for the the Super Nintendo. So I just didn't know if like how you'd feel about like going back to the NES style. No, games. yeah, and I've seen a lot of them. Like they do a lot of developer live streams of those, and like there's weird robot golf games and just a bunch of bizarre shit. So that that should right. be cool. But I don't know. Uh, I also played a fuckload of Enter the Gungeon, uh, yes. which I love. And I will never beat because I'm not good enough, but I would love to. And they I, they released multiple expansions to this, and now they're finally done. That's why they're doing Exit the Gungeon now. But I, boy, big fan. It's another roguelike, which Enter the Gungeon came out before roguelikes were like, there were too many, I think. Yes. That was, was before I, I every game this. was a roguelike. I think it's one of the more difficult roguelikes. It was brutal. Oh, I can usually get like near the end of a run on most runs. It's just like the. It it really depends what guns you get and how many things you unlock. I think. Yeah, I'm not really good at twin stick shooters. So oh, okay. Yeah, like I'm I'm usually pretty good at aiming in a twin stick shooter like that, because especially because I think they. The the way the aim is set up in that game, I just really like. But it, yeah, to to depend person to person for sure. Right. Now, is Devolver doing Exit the Gungeon as well, or is that Yes, else? they are. Oh, well, good for them then. Um, because they also, uh, in that Devolver pack, whatever the fuck it was, the Devolver knockoff games, one of those was Enter the Gungeon right. as well. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was like a knockoff dungeon. But then I think they actually put whatever that one was. I think they put out that game as a full game as well. Oh, well. so I don't know. Now exit the gungeon, not to get off track. That's two D, right? Yes, it's a two D side scrolling thing where you're basically just on like an elevator exiting the gungeon when the enemies fall to you. So. I'd, yeah, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like my jam, yes, yeah. but that's fine. Uh, the next one is Gree. Yeah, which it is uh, was originally for mobile and is now for PS4 and other consoles and is just a smaller artistic adventure game style thing. 
yeah this seemed very popular uh, very a lot of people thought it was very beautiful yeah people people were way into it i yes, sadly I, I don't have a lot to say negative about it no definitely not but i didn't play it it didn't really seem like my time type of game same it it it, it kind of gave me the abzu uh, like an abzu vibe type yeah of actually game. i see where you're coming from with that for sure more artistic than substance yes yeah um uh. the next one was one of your favorite multiplayer games of and you didn't even play it i know it was so fun to watch it be played <laughs> And like uh, that's uh, yeah, Heave Ho definitely like personifies what I associate with Devolver, which is dumb bullshit that's funny. <laughs> like I don't know, yeah, it's just so fucking stupid. And you, it's like a co-op slash competitive game where you play as like basically the equivalent of Geodude, the Pokemon. It's like a head with two arms, and you control the two arms individually and you got to try to get from point a to point b by flinging each other or just figuring out a way to get from point a to point b and when you get four people together and it's just madness ensues it is bizarre yes it's basically like a cooperative mount your friends yeah yeah but with geo but with geo dude it's so there's no swinging dicks yes correct um <laughs> and when you have four people together there's always going to be that one that fucks everything up and then you have to start all over again yeah and, definitely <sighs> it was it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. i definitely enjoyed watching it so yes uh and then hotline miami 2 is hotline miami but again did Hotline Miami 1 come out on gen? It came out it originally came out on PS3. Okay. Uh Hotline Miami 2 was so this PS4. One... So this was this gen. Okay. But it God, like what have they done since? I don't know what that that developer has done since. Cuz it's been a long time. Yeah. But uh Hotline Miami 2 is good. I mean, I, Hotline Miami was good, so by virtue of it being the, basically the same thing, uh, it it was also interesting, but it just, like, I never really got into the weird, like, cocaine fever dream story of the original, so this was, like, an extension of that, and it's just this freaky and weird, so it doesn't really do it for me, but the the gameplay aspect of it is cool enough, I think. And like like we said, that influenced a lot of other games like Ape Out and things like that. And I think even the next one on the list, Katana Zero, to a certain extent. So, but uh, I did really like Katana Zero. It um, was was it in my top ten last year? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, I, I think so. But I, I just really liked it. It's another one where it's like Hotline Miami, where it's like you have to have quick, fast reflexes, and each room you enter is more like a puzzle, but like mixed with your reactions. And Katana Zero just is able to do that in such a cool, stylish way. You play as like a weird samurai in a cyberpunk future with crazy weird future drugs and time slowdown mechanics and stuff. And it's just very fun. 
I still need a meaning to check back every so often to see if they ever added the quote-unquote DLC stuff they were going to add. They added in a bunch of challenge missions, I, but I always forget to go back and check. But Katana Zero, very good in all fronts, I think. Yeah, uh, you seem to really like it. It was this, like... Um, I was hoping for it to be a little bit more action-based, where it ended up being a little more puzzle-based. So yeah. I just kind of... I didn't even bother trying it, just because I knew I would just end up getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. But it did seem really cool for the, the people that got really into it. Yeah, definitely. And, and just as a little side note, I guess the developer of... Uh, Hotline Miami 2, they're working on a new game called Sector X. Interesting. So, cool. uh, did uh, you Minute play is... did you play that? Minute? I've been meaning to play. Same, I always want to. I did I you? mean, I have it cuz it's free. It was free on the Epic Game Store, so like I have it. I also yes, it might too. have been free on PlayStation Plus at one point as well, so I might have it on multiple platforms, but it's also on Game Pass. Yeah, so like we, I could play it, and it's short. So I've been meaning to play it because it is just such a cool concept where you just, uh, it's like it's kind of like a roguelike uh, ish where it just like each run is one minute, and you're just kind of slowly gathering information in that minute. Uh, just and I don't think it takes very long, as you said, to beat the game. No, and like you're unlocking shortcuts and stuff. I think like yes. It, if you like know what you're doing maybe 20 minutes if you're lucky i think so it it yeah but i mean it might take like an hour or two to get to that point but i it is pretty quick i think and it's it was an interesting concept and i know that most people really enjoyed it so yeah and the art style is really neat where it's just all black and white Mm -hmm. so yeah that that is a game i have I have it downloaded on my Xbox and I have been meaning to get into it. I just need to be in the right mood to play, you know, a, a run based game. Yeah. Uh, the next game, my friend Pedro, I played last year and I really enjoyed, I feel like the way you, what you feel about Katana zero is how I felt about my friend Pedro. Mm-hmm. It was just this really weird, fun, uh, shooting them up like 2d, uh, shoot them up. But instead of it being puzzle, it was just kind of more action. Yeah. It's just the story gets really weird because, like, the banana is your is like your friend Pedro, and it it goes weird places. I don't <laughs> I don't want to spoil or any spoil anything, but like what you were saying about like heave ho and bro force, uh, I would say my friend Pedro is on this par same you know same level is just kind of weird and wacky interesting two games. Hmm. um now they also did observation is this that adventure game? yeah where you are on the space station after like everybody else is dead i believe yes um and I heard positive things about this one too, but it's another one where I can't really say much just because I didn't really play it. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking like, ooh, this does not look like my type of adventure game where you're just like by yourself on an empty spaceship. But 
yeah, it seemed like the people that played it really liked it or generally felt positive about it. It yeah. it is one of those where yeah, I didn't I didn't have a lot of interest, so I didn't bother checking it out. Yeah. So yeah, once again, I I don't have a lot to say about it. And then the messenger, I know you played a couple years ago. No, I never played the messenger. Oh, you didn't. Oh, I, what am I thinking of? That's kind of like this. The message, message. Because you played, you said you were playing it on the plane. You played it when you went to Kelvin's. I, I, I don't know the answer to this question. Was it like a swear game? Oh, the missing. The missing. Okay. The, so the messenger is a side-scrolling Metroidvania where you play as a ninja. Oh, and this is I, very different. Yeah, very different. <laughs> That's why I was so confused for a second. I was like, do you mean Strider? What the hell is going on? Uh, but so the messenger, I, I, I might actually play it. I almost played it the other day uh, because it has some weird mechanical plot twist that people don't talk about, but basically like every time you hit an enemy, you get another jump. So like it makes a lot of weird, interesting jump puzzles. Um, and I okay. know that the plot goes a lot of really weird places, but actually on Thursday, this developer did a Kickstarter for a classic turn-based RPG. That is a prequel to the messenger. <laughs> oh, so they're going, uh, really weird yeah so uh, i uh i backed that kickstarter because i was like whoa this looks like my jam and then they were like yeah it's a prequel to the messenger and i was like how can that even be possible these two things could not look more disparate and like they take place in different worlds uh but people always said such positive things about the messenger and i have it on the epic game store and i it's just like one of those metroidvanias that people really liked the year it came out and i just never got around to playing it, but I think I might if especially if Ori doesn't get its patch in the next couple days here. Yeah, there was another Metroidvania that came out earlier this year that sounds kinda similar to that. I don't remember the name now. And it's weird it's because just... like the Yacht Club, uh, the Shovel Knight developer is publishing another indie game. Not that they're making, but they're like publishing it. Uh, that is right. basically the same. You're like a weird cyber ninja in a Metroidvania thing. Yeah, Metroidvanias, they are just really popular right now. Yes, they are. They all start, and they all just start blending together in my. Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially the ones I didn't play. <laughs> it's even harder to keep keep them separated. Yeah. Uh, the final game for Devolver, uh, yeah, Titan Souls. This is just, do you remember the game we talked about in the Direct? The fuck was it called? Eldest yes. Souls? Yes. This is Eldest just like, Souls. this is just that. Okay. <laughs> like it is, I, I, I have seen it, I never played it. I think it was free on PlayStation Plus one month, but it's, it's basically just like, you are a weird little dude and it's a pixel art game and you go into rooms and fight large bosses dark souls style and like that's just what is it, it is is it the same developer i don't know actually i wonder but it is like the same it looks like they're just the same game to me so i don't know 
I mean, just like Titan Souls, Eldest Souls. Yeah. And then they're both very similar. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, that's Devolver. Yeah, is... They had a lot. They did. Uh, I feel kind of mixed from Devolver. I don't personally. Like, I liked a couple, and then like the rest, I feel very kind of cold about. The ones that I liked, I feel very strongly about, like Downwell, Enter the Gungeon, Katana Zero. And I mean, even the messenger is supposed to be like super amazing, but right. Yeah. Most of the other but ones like, I could go force. either way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, humble bundle. Mm-hmm. What is cultist simulator or simulator? It is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> You basically okay. are the... I did not play this, but I've seen a lot of footage of it. It's basically like... Oh, I can't even think of the name of the game, and you probably wouldn't know anyways. There's this PC game in the mid-2000s that came out where you it's you are like a mad scientist, and you build your like super villain lair and hire villains and send them on evil missions. They're making a sequel to it. They are, yes. This is basically oh. that, but with cultists. So it's like you oh, are the it? head of a cult, and you like basically just build your crazy cult and hire things and build stuff. It's basically like Theme Hospital, but for a cult. Right. And I don't know, every game can't call itself a simulator now. It, that's what drives me nuts, is because whenever I see something simulator, I assume it's mm. some dumb bullshit thing made for a Twitch streamer to do for 20 minutes. Uh, by the way, it's Evil Genius. Evil Genius, that's, there you go, yeah. Which they are, as I said, they're making a sequel that is supposed to be coming out in the next couple of years, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I feel like... Uh, that the simulator got really popular from Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, but then like and those they, aren't even called simulator. Like now, when no, something no, is I, called simulator, it's like synonymous with like, oh, it's like surgeon simulator, but it's like not real surgery. It's like fun, dumb time. Right. Whereas Cult of Simulator is not like that. It's more just like that type of thing where it is like yeah theme hospital roller coaster tycoon but for you're making a cult that is very interesting yeah um and then east of eden it comes out on the 26th this is also another one where i don't know why it's being published because i backed it on kickstarter and they made way more than enough money <laughs> Uh, but it is basically I've been playing through Mega Man Battle Network and it is literally just the battle system from Mega Man Battle Network but it's a roguelite uh, and so I am excited to play this and I don't know how well it will sell outside of the people who backed it on Kickstarter just because that is a pretty fucking niche thing is people who want to play Mega Man Battle Network so I don't know. It looks really cool, and they put out a demo, and it just is... I don't know. It's just Battle Network, which is exactly what it should be. And so I think a lot of people who, especially people who still play Battle Network, like, competitively and hack together the online will probably really enjoy this. So, Do you think it's getting a physical copy? 
Uh, I don't know if it is or not. I know it's maybe they had to get them as a publisher to put it out on the Switch. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm just kind of wondering if it's like like physical distribution type of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I just know it's coming out on PC and Switch, and that's all. Right. I know, but I I had done it for Steam anyways, so yeah, I don't know. Um, and then you played Forager, and I still I think yeah. about what happened to you quite frequently. Yeah, that <laughs> I was it. It, it was kind of like Stardew Valley, where I just was just kind of like foraging and just having a good time and just slowly upgrading. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember exactly what happened. I just remember like you like it crashed or something, and then you turned it back on, and your save was not there. It, well, yes, I, I'm trying to remember exactly. What I think I went into the menu and then I exited the menu and then I was sitting in the middle of uh, the ocean and I was like, well, something's not right. So then I quit the game and then when I reloaded the game, my save was corrupted and I had to start off. And, and that's that just awful. 10 plus hours. <clears throat> yes. So then I stopped playing Forger. But you did like it. I did enjoy it a lot when I was yeah. playing it. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's why I'm kind of thinking I'm, I might like, um, animal cross. Oh yeah. It, it, like I probably won't have to engage with the, like the, uh, more co- the conversations with everyone and just, I can just kind of focus on just whatever I want to focus on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too worried about glitch like that happening and my save getting corrupted. Because that typically doesn't happen with Nintendo games. Well, but don't worry. If it did, you couldn't get your save back because it's not cloud save compatible and they can't recover it. Oh. So. But as I said, I'm not too worried about that. No, I know. I, me I, either. I, I I really haven't had that happen a lot with games and Forager is just one that it did happen with. but And I've certainly never had that happen with Nintendo. Yeah. So... Uh, these next couple games, Inkenfell. So as as I have said, as I have said, with half of the games we've talked about, I back this on Kickstarter. So I don't know why it's being published <laughs> by Humble Bundle, but it is a turn-based RPG about a wizard school. And I'm very excited for this. It has been delayed several times, but it is like a. It's a pixel art turn-based RPG, and you basically, it's like fake Hogwarts. And it looks very good, and the music seems really cool, and I like the art style. The creator of it, I had to stop following on Twitter because they are very opinionated about a lot of things, and I just couldn't take it anymore. But uh, the game looks cool, and it should be out this year. And they are publishing that, I guess. And Minako's Night Market is another game. I did not back this. I don't know if it was on Kickstarter, but I uh, I have been following it for about as long as it's been in development. It's basically you are this little girl, and it is like a fun Animal Crossing-esque game, except that there's it's like a market that's all run by cats. But it is just a Minako's Minako's Night Market basically just looks like a Animal Crossing slash Harvest Moon like where it's like, oh, you like make crops and stuff and just like go around town and like do whatever type stuff, except that most things are cats. 
Okay, so yeah, are, and are you excited about this? Or are you? Gonna... Uh, yeah, I would be more excited if like I hadn't discovered it like five years ago at this point, and oh. it just is one of those things where it seems like it's never actually had a real release date. It's just like kind of nebulous. So yeah, I don't. I, I don't I feel like if it comes out. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, if it comes out this year, that's going to be really hard. Animal Crossing is going to be scratching a humongous itch. And I don't know if like someone like you or other people are going to be as excited about playing another game like that. Yeah. Especially when Animal Crossing is probably like at the top as like one of the best kind of one of those games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it looks cool and it looks like it has a lot of charm and stuff. So, I mean, if it doesn't up coming out, I'll give it a shot. And I assume now that Humble Bundle is publishing it, it will come out. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I don't know. But I that that one I've also been looking forward to for a long time. So, cool. And Slay the Spire, I played quite a bit of that. And I wish that I was good enough to beat it because I do really like Slay the Spire. But, uh,. It's another one of those, like, it hit me right at the roguelite card game burnout point, I think. <laughs> Same with me, just like, oh, man. I, I remember that, but I couldn't go on, I did, like, maybe three or four runs and kind of burnt out. Uh, I, I, pl- like, I played it a bunch of, I did a bunch of runs, but I just couldn't get super far and I would never get like the deck combination I wanted. But I do, right. I do really like Slay the Spire and I know that people who got way into it, like when it was an early access were like singing its praises for years. But uh, yeah, I, I really did like Slay the Spire and I'm, I'm glad that it finally got out there out of early access and did its thing. Yeah, this was one of those cases where, like, I would have loved if it was just kind of like a dungeon crawler. Yeah, I think so. Because I really like the leveling up the cards mechanic and basically choose your own path. But Mm -hmm. it just got so brutal. I I couldn't get past the second boss. I don't know how far you could get. Usually, yeah, like when you would get to the second map, I would usually die at the boss of the second map. So. Yes, that's exactly where I just yeah, yeah. I died all three times and I, I just I it just it did seem like it it did have like a uh if you just kept playing you could upgrade your deck and get make it stronger. Well, like also you never really like got better per se, like you would be able to grind so that it would unlock cards that you could get for the character you were using, or it would unlock yes. like artifacts for the game as a whole. But then at a certain point, like after you've leveled each of them up once or twice, like it just takes so long to level them and runs take so long to die that it was like, just kind of deterred me from going back again and again, like I normally would have. Yeah, that was, that was the other big thing is like, I I could see you could grind it out and eventually beat this game, mm. but it seemed like it would take forever. Cause as you said, a run was just to get to the second stage was like 40 minutes. Yeah. And so like, I couldn't even imagine getting take like two hours, which is just a little too long for. Yeah. I think it's too long for that. So yes. Uh, the next game, you 
you kickstarted, right? I did. I backed this on Kickstarter as well. Uh, big humble bundle fan, apparently. I yeah. So Temtem is a Pokemon inspired MMO, and it is now out in early access. But I did not play it while it was in early access. I played it in its uh, open beta for the people that backed it at the tier I did, and I like. You know, it is. It's just Pokemon, but like harder. And it has a lot of, like, weird MMO trappings of, like, oh, you can do this stuff with other people. Uh, When it first came out in Early Access, people... I I tried to play, and I couldn't because the queues were so long. And then when I got in, the game just totally busted. Uh, But people were, like, really into it then and were, like, trashing all over Pokemon, saying, like, this is what Pokemon should be because it's, like hard and punches me in the nuts all the time and stuff and you're just like okay we get it you're a weird masochist and you want pokemon to be harder but uh it just to me like it doesn't have the same charm charm. yeah charm that pokemon has like i just don't really like a lot of the designs and stuff and i think that the art style of a lot of the characters is just like to me is personally i think it's kind of ugly uh and they keep actually like patching it to make it less fun for people, which I think is bizarre. Like the shiny rate, they're called Lumas in that game. People were like really excited to hunt those. And like, they made them harder to get a few times. Like they upped or lowered the rate and they did some other things. Mm -hmm. Like it was harder to get money to breed and do a couple of other things. So I think that's one where I might wait to play it until like it's out for real because they're making like rapid changes to it to the point where it's like, well, like, is this even going to be a recognizable thing in three months? Should I just wait while everything I did become obsolete? Like, I I just don't know. Yeah. This is another one like, like that. I'm just kind of waiting for the the release, but it is cool. Also like they delivered on their promise. Yes. Because they asked, this is also an interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're cutting in and out, so I, I, I didn't realize you were still talking. Oh, okay. All I was going to say is this is an interesting uh, studio where, like, the last game they made was that, like, Egyptian cowboy game. What? Yes. Oh, man, what is that called? Egyptian cowboy game? I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it was like a it was just on Steam. Cowboy. God, I do not remember the name of it. It was I I don't know. Well, actually I could just look up Temtem. Cuz now I'm really curious of what that was again. All right. Well, while you do that, I'll go on to the next one is which is Them's yeah. Fighting Herds. Which is the, it was originally a fan game that was supposed to be a My Little Pony fighting game, but then they were threatened with legal action, and so then they made them just generic animals that are like My Little Pony characters, and uh, it was an okay fighting game. I don't know, like I didn't really enjoy it that much, and I obviously don't have any attachment to the aesthetic of My Little Pony or anything, so it was like, whatever. Uh, and I don't uh, think it, was, it has a large following or anything. So, yeah, it seemed okay. Yeah. I, 
we played it in early access. I don't know if you've played it much since. No, I haven't played it much since then. Yes. And it's Immortal Redneck that I was thinking of. Okay. Never heard of that before. Yes, it's like a first-person shooter where you're in Egypt, but you're also like a cowboy with a shotgun, and you're just like shooting mummies. From that to a Pokemon-inspired MMO, huh? <laughs> yes, and very different. It's a very weird game. Definitely. Just like looking up some video of it, it's a bizarre game. That is very, very weird. You may even want to watch the Giant Box. I remember watching. Uh, Dan was in the Quick Look. Interesting. I may have to give that a watch. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The next game is another game that us really liked. I actually, the more I think about Void Bastards, the more I hate it. I wow. I just didn't like it at all, and I didn't like the sense of humor it had. I didn't like the art style. I didn't like the gameplay. And so it was one of those things where everybody seemed so positive about it that I was just like, I don't know what I'm missing here, but like, I just don't. I am okay. I did. The one aspect of the art style I did like was the comic book when they were just kind of running everything down, that comic book style. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. I did like that, but I didn't... Yeah, I didn't care for... It kind of gave me a Borderlands feel with the the art stuff. Yeah, a little bit. But I, did, I hated the way... It just did not feel good. No, yeah, I also hated the way it played. It just it did not do it for me, so... That was one where I was really glad it was free on Game Pass because if I had bought yes. that, I would have been super fucking bummed out. So, but this is a weird one where I always connect it with um, that Annapurna game that you really like. Oh, Outer Wilds, yeah, Out, because Out, Outer Wilds, yeah. Just I mean, because they came out at basically the same time. They did, yeah. And I tried Void Bastards. Like I downloaded them both, and I was like, oh, I instead of playing Outer Wilds today, I will play this, and I played it for like an hour and was like just kidding (laughs) not anymore yeah yeah just it did not resonate and connect with me but some people really liked it yeah uh the last game is wizard of legend which i did give a try yeah uh this was right around the time that i got um dead cells so i was Mm. like i really like roguelikes Mm -hmm. and then i started playing this and i was like this is too hard uh i saw willie play this a lot and it looked like i would have really liked it uh i think he did end up beating a run of it but then i think it's one where you're supposed to keep going and doing it more and more right but no yeah it's cool it's just i mean it's that was at the same time like the it's a cool game, and if it had come out a couple years ago, I think it would have been really popular, but because it's just in a sea of everything else, it's a roguelite, it's like hard to rise above to the top, you know what I mean? Yeah, even good ones or even great ones just just kind of end up... Also, it's just such a hard genre for, for a lot of people to get into mm. because it is so difficult. And there's just such a curve of like, you have to spend 50 hours just playing the game over and over again, losing and beat it. I, mm. 
it's one of those situations where I, I have to be in the mood to put in the work to go on a hundred runs. And mm. just sometimes I just feel like it, or a lot of times I don't feel like it. I assume you're kind of the same way. Yeah. It really depends on the game. Like wizard of legend looks like one that I would have actually liked, but it's just some of them at a certain point. It's just like, you know, I, it just takes so fucking long. And it's not worth yes. it, like, at a certain point. Like, the runs just take too long for not enough reward. But, yeah, the right, last right. the last one I've actually wanted to play, even though the runs are kind of long, is Hades. But that's because it also has, like, a plot. <laughs> yes, it's so. not just, like, a... You almost want to die so you can get some plot. But that's another one I've been waiting for to be released in full. Yeah. Um. The last developer we're going to talk about, they didn't, they don't have nearly as many as the, uh, but they do have a couple that mm-hmm. I definitely want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, the first one is Overcooked, the yeah. the first and second Overcooked, mm-hmm. which I you can just kind of put these together. There's not a huge difference between the two. Well, you could throw things in the second one. Never forget. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you just, uh, it's a co op game, which just, uh, and it's kind of like Diner Dash, I guess, right? Yeah, it's basically just like modernized co op Diner Dash. Where you, you, there's always one more thing uh, that you need to do than there are people. Mm-hmm. So if there are four people, then there are five things you really need to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. So it's just enough to kind of make things frantic. But once you kind of get into a groove, it's it's actually a lot of fun because I remember the three of us, uh, you, Nuku, and I played the the first one. Mm-hmm. When we were when we got into a groove, I mean, we were just clicking. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just gotta communicate well and it promotes good communication because when you don't you fucking lose so quick everybody does their own thing and no one talk to each other <laughs> communicated and you're like why do we have 30 cakes yes <laughs> we we need something different it's like oh yes, i thought yes. we were the thought it was the cake level yeah it's just <laughs> stuff like that would happen where you're like yeah i made a bunch of pasta we don't need that okay then and then everything's gonna be on fire yeah and then yeah, we also played that um the the one that Justin had for Extra Life. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. I just un- uninstalled it the other day, so I saw the name again, but I can't recall it. But yeah, it's basically I... just overcooked but in space with a spaceship thing. That seemed a little bit more complicated. Yeah, definitely. Um but I overcooked is just a fantastic game. And it's a great game for people who don't normally play video games as well yeah because it's just basically the one button it's just i believe a or x or whatever your uh you know whatever system you're playing on and that's that's what you do for basically everything Mm. uh the next games is ukulele which the first one is one of the most disappointing games of this generation uh yeah definitely i was disappointed by it for sure and then the second one is one was one of my favorite games of last year. Yeah, the uh, impossible lair for sure. The the impossible lair, yes. Mm-hmm. Except for the part where the impossible lair is impossible. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for that, but I I 
I'm starting to realize that maybe I just don't really like 3D platformer, and I'm more of a 2D platformer kind of person. Yeah, possibly. Because I really like uh, Banjo-Kazooie, but I can't really think of any other 3D platformers that I really like. Uh, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, yeah, but that's that feels more like a shooter to me. Yeah, because it's like a third-person shooter as well. I see where you're coming yes. from on that. And you like level up the guns and... Mm-hmm. So to me, that feels like a third-person shooter with platforming. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yes, uh, the second, uh, the the impossible layer is more like Donkey Kong Country, mm-hmm. and I just the game. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Yoku's Island Express. Um, I, I don't remember this game. Too I much. played this. I beat it. Uh, okay. I, I wish. I wish it was better. The concept is really cool. So you play as a little beetle and you get to this island and it was a pterodactyl was the mailman for the island. And then he okay. he basically quits and says like, you have to be the mailman now and you're this little bug. You're a dung beetle. And so like, it's basically a Metroidvania, but pinball. Okay. So you control the bug pushing the dung ball and then like the buttons will control like different colored things in the environment, like flippers or whatever. And so you go through it and it's fun for a while until like you have to start making like trick shots and stuff or like hit really specific angles and I just never found that the control and the flippers or anything was like there enough to make any of that fun and just at a certain point it would get kind of frustrating and then like there was a lot of secret stuff and it was hard to backtrack or it was just like a pain in the ass to backtrack but it it was like a it was a really cool concept that just kind of like broke in execution yeah, I mean, like, I'm making a Metroidvania that's not fun to backtrack is, uh, that's a problem, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's just, like, one of those things where, like, oh, to get back up here, I have to make this shot, and then, like, oops, I missed, and now it's, like, hard to get back to where I was, and it's just, it was just kind of weird, but, like, it was a charming, fun game, and everything was really weird, and it had fun music, and I just, yeah, I, I wish it had been executed on a little bit more, uh, and I was hoping that Creature in the Well was going to be, like, the evolution of that. But then that's, like, kind of a different thing because it's not like you aren't the pinball. You're the guy hitting the balls or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I, it does seem like it has an interesting and unique concept. Yeah. But maybe they were trying to go for something that didn't quite line up mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, but I I did beat it and like I enjoyed it enough, but it was just where I got frustrated enough. So I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about this at the end. Type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, time at Portia is basically like another one of those Stardew Valley esque Animal Crossing things where it's just like you are in a town and you do all that kind of stuff you like interact with villagers and make shit and farm and do whatever yeah you just kind of like a i think there are there's like rpg elements yep various things but yeah it's just 
it's another one of those that I feel like we've been talking about a lot today. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of those things where like that is a that was a void that wasn't filled by a lot of things like Harvest Moon kind of crumbled because like the developers split into two and then neither one of them was making good Harvest Moon games and like then Animal Crossing would only come out like once every five to seven years. So it's like you got a long time between those. So I think a lot of indie games try to fill that void like that's what ooblets is that type of thing and stuff like that but they usually try to have some unique spin i don't really remember anything particularly unique about my time at portia but i i know that a lot of people did thoroughly enjoy it yeah i i think it i didn't hear a lot about it but some of the people that i it does does seem like some people really got it yeah and then the last one i don't even know what it is Oh, well, it is another Metroidvania. Blasphemous? What one is this one? It came out last year in the fall. And Is this the one kinda, where it's like a medieval castle-y type thing? Yes, it's a lot like Castlevania. Oh, fuck. This, this game came out on the same day as another Metroidvania, right? Um, it might have. Or was this the one, or was this the one that came out at the same time as Dead Cells? No, this came out in last year. Interesting. Now I definitely, I swear there was. September of last year. I do not remember. Which this would have come out right around the time. Bloodstained. I f- no, Bloodstained came out earlier. Yeah, I don't know what would have come out of. Interesting. I now I don't know because I th- I think this was the game where there was like two Metroidvania games came out like right at the same time, or at least I thought so. But I might be thinking of something different because a lot of Metroidvanias just look like weird Castlevania. Yes, this and this. Is <laughs> so I can't like a- can't pinpoint it. Yes, this is just very much a medieval, gothic, uh, Metroidvania. It is on my list of games I kind of want to check out at some point. But yes, it's just another one in that vein. Yeah. So with that, we have gone through them all. Yes. Are you ready to start um, ranking them? I am. Now, I figure the best way to do this initially is probably give them all a grade, and then that'll give us a better idea of, you know, where to rank them. Mm-hmm. So let's start with 505. What score would you give 505 for generation? Um... I would say a B, probably. Yeah, I was thinking B. I mean, they had a fantastic year last year. Uh, and But then you, like, you had a great year last year, not counting Indivisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocket League is definitely one of the biggest games of the generation, at least like indie-wise. Probably the biggest indie game of the generation. Yeah, probably. I would argue. Yeah. 
but we did kind of establish that like they just kind of published the physical yeah on console so i i see i don't know like that probably should count against them a little bit uh, so yeah probably a b is probably fair to give uh 505 yeah i would say um chucklefish see um, chucklefish is weird because i would give it a b because stardew valley rules i think stardew valley yes. is an amazing game but then like pocket rumble is cool and i like it but it has its issues starbound is the same thing and i feel the same way about Wargroove. so like right. Star- stardew valley is the only one where i feel like yeah this game is awesome but the rest of these are like eh. i mean i like time spinner a lot but like yeah. it certainly doesn't i would give them a c personally uh because I think I would give Stardew Valley an A, Time Spinner a B, but then the rest of them just C's. Well, I mean, I would give Pocket Rumble and Wargroove a B, whereas I would only give Starbound a C. Mm. So. Okay, if if you're leaning towards more B, then... yeah, I would say I would say B. I think. Okay. But. Uh now Devolver. Uh, Devolver has the most games. And, like, that's what makes this hard, is because the ones that I like, I feel very strongly about, but then a lot of the other ones I either didn't play or just don't care. That's That was me and Bethesda a couple weeks ago, where I was super passionate about Doom and uh, Wolfenstein. Honestly, the rest of the Bethesda games I just don't care about. So, like, I guess... Overall, I would say maybe a C just because like it's one of those things where quantity does not necessarily mean quality. Yeah, because like I'm looking at this list. I liked my friend Pedro, but I'm not super high on it. Heave Ho was fun, but I do think that's one of those games where it would get old after playing a few hours of it yeah uh, and then like i know you liked enter the gungeon yeah and like i really like, like I Downwell as well and katana zero but then does that balance out how little i give a shit about absolver everything and everything else yeah so i don't, I don't know so i i would say c probably because i don't think either one of us feels very strongly about any of those it's not to say yeah, they that's... like did particularly poorly or anything it's just i don't think that it's for us yeah, they have a very specific type of games, and like I, it doesn't quite click with me. Yeah. And Humble Bundle, I'm looking at this list. I would say C on this one. Yeah, because like the game I liked the most was Forager, and that game broke my heart. So I mean, I like I liked Slay the Spire, and I will really like East of Eden and Inkenfell, but they're not out yet, so I can't really yeah. like. The rest of them were not particularly great. So right, and then Team Seventeen. Um, I really liked Overcooked One, Overcooked Two. I'm not gonna say it was a disappointment, but it was just more. No, of the it's same. more of the same. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, this would be a C probably, but I guess that depends right. how strongly you feel about overcooked and uh the impossible lair 
Yes, but then, like, for me, the impossible layer gets canceled out by the first ukulele. Oh, God, the first one is just... I I try not to think about it. it it's just... <laughs> oh, God. I just don't yeah, like so, it. So, like, is the first Overcooked good enough to be a B? I don't... No, probably not. So, I, I'm going to have to go with a C on that one. Well, yeah. So, by that logic... <laughs> Oh, we'll just oh, I did not five five oh five. We'll just do five oh five versus Chucklefish to start. So I would say that five oh five is better than Chucklefish, just because okay. like Chucklefish has a bunch of cool indie games that I like. You know, like I like Stardew right. Valley, and the rest of them were pretty good, but kind of disappointing. Whereas like five oh five, even if I just took it on control. And Bloodstained alone, I think that is better than, like, Chucklefish, to me, is mostly Stardew Valley. You know what I mean? And then, like, the yes. other the other ones, even though I didn't play Time Spinner, I would say, like, these are cool, but, like, not great. Right. Whereas, like, I really like Control, uh, and I think that Bloodstained was very good as, as yes. a product. So, uh, so looking at that, then... Mm-hmm. I am. I would be willing. I would put five hundred five second on this list ahead of Bandai Namco. Personally, uh, I would not. But I guess I wouldn't argue that at this time. <laughs> I, I, my argument is I like Bloodstained and Control more than anything. Personally, put out. I realize that Tekken is very good, but well, but so is Dark I, Souls. So that's where it's like. Yeah, so like and I I assume you would argue it's better than Bethesda. I would argue that, but I mean it I could see it being second because I mean I don't feel like I I don't, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter that much, I don't think. <laughs> so it's it see this is where it's a little unfair for me because obviously I'm going to bloodstained in control more than Tekken and uh, Dark Souls. So yeah. I feel like that's more of a decision you should make of because, like, you like all those games. Yeah, but so... I mean, that's, but that's fine. Like, you did really like Bloodstained and you really liked Control, whereas I can't. I can also say I liked those, whereas you cannot feel the same way as I did about Sekiro and Dark Souls. You know what I mean? I, I, I see that. That's kind of, but those are not my type of game. So I've just figured, well, like, yeah. But I mean, if I would, I would say that we can put it at number two, just because I feel like the gulf okay. between Capcom and anything else at this point is very large. Yes, yes, uh, <laughs> so, it's be that way for a little while. So yeah. Uh, uh, now for Chucklefish, I would probably put them at number six under Blizzard. Yeah, I'll ex- yeah, I'll accept that. Because it's just a because it's just Uh, see, cuz I Stardew Valley's so good. Yeah, it's Stardew Valley versus Overwatch basically in my head. And I guess I would put over or Stardew Valley above Overwatch. I would I would also, so I guess it could be 5 then. I'd be okay with 5 for now. Yeah, that's okay for now, I think. That's so that's uh, we're filling out this top 10 list and we will to the listeners. We will kind of recap the entire top 10 list at the end of this. Yeah. So now we have Devolver, Humble Bundle, and Team 17. Uh, what would you say is the top of those three? I 
do you think it should just be like that? I do think that Team 17 should be on the bottom. Okay. That. Um... Well, hang on. See, no, like, I, I guess I guess then I would put Humble Bundle on the bottom. I was gonna that was going to be my argument because like I don't you probably liked what Slay the Spire the most out of yeah everything, I really Bundle. liked Slay the Spire and Temtem was kind of cool but like the rest of that I didn't play Cultist Simulator I didn't right. play Forager if East of Eden and Inkenfell were out now I think I would argue differently but. They are not out yet, and so I can't say with any certainty. So, you know. Okay. So I and guess I would say... Like... I mean, I we both liked games that Devolver had, whereas Team 17 yes. and Humble Bundle were not necessarily the same as that. Just by virtue no. of Devolver having more games <laughs> that we could yes. have played, I think. Now, do you think Devolver or any of these is better than Activision? I would say that maybe Devolver is better than Activision. Uh yeah, because it's like Call of Duty, and then but like you also do have to uh, consider. Oh God, what is the game that you really like? Sekiro. Sekiro. Yeah, but like, but Devolver had like does Sekiro outweigh the like five or six games that I have played from Devolver that I did really enjoy though. Right, and that's like, how I feel about like Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So, I mean, are you saying you don't think Devolver should go above Activision, or that you think it should? Well, here's an, another Activision game is the Crash Racing, Crash Team Racing. Oh, that's true. Okay. Um, then I mean, and then I guess so. They did the Spiral remakes. Yeah, and okay, so, so that I mean, they had a bunch of good stuff. So I get we can leave it like this as it is this way i think okay where humble bundle is at the bottom so i yes i i'm just trying to think of everything because like right now like devolver is fresh and we have to kind of go back to activision which was the first the uh, publisher that we ended up talking about so mm-hmm. um so this list looks pretty good though yeah i think so I really like Bethesda between all those bees. It's that just... makes me so happy. <laughs> God. Uh, but uh, to run down the list, and now we officially do have a top 10. So starting next week, we will be either taking the publishers off or they will just not make the top 10 list. Uh, yes. But at number 10 right now, we have Home with a C. Mm. At number 9, we have Team 17 with a C. At number eight, we have Devolver with a C. At number seven, we have Activision with a C. Mm. Uh, at number six, Blizzard is with a B. Mm. Number five, Chucklefish with a B. Mm. Number four is Bethesda with a C. <laughs> number three is Bandai Namco with a B. Mm-hmm. And number two is 505 Games with a B. And number one is Capcom with an A, and it's going to remain that way for a couple more weeks, I think. Yeah, because uh... <laughs> a juggernaut's because coming. In two two weeks, it's fucking EA. Oh, and then it, but then in a month, it's Nintendo, which is I know. the juggernaut. And they, yeah, they will crush. They'll kill it. They'll kill everyone yes. in their path. I think. Uh, <laughs> but boy. Electronics Arts sure did suck ass this past generation. 
Hey, you like that Star Wars game? Hey, look, I that's fine. I'm just saying the rest of what they did. Everybody loves Battlefield Hardline. That's all I'm saying. Hey, EA made a game that changed my life this generation, okay? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Get ready to talk about Electronic Arts in two weeks. <laughs> that, uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, chances are we will probably be doing a over the internet like this. Yeah, we will probably be doing it for at least the next one or two. Definitely. Depends how crazy things get here, I think, with the coronavirus. Yes, which... but Yes, and it only seems like it's getting worse. It does, um, yeah. God, it's crazy that it's only been a week that like people have been quarantined. Yeah, <laughs> and I it's all, oh man. And it just seems like it's already been uh, forever. Like this felt like the longest week ever. So yeah, like I... I know we say this every episode, but like the news of E3 getting canceled feels like it was like three months ago now. Oh, definitely. Like so many things happen. I mean, like every yes. every day the governor of our state puts out some new crazy shit about like how less people have to be outside or whatever, or, like how they're trying to contain the virus and stuff. And it just is like at a certain point it is very worrying but also just like very i don't know i feel like i live in the fucking twilight zone yeah and they're like the weirdest part for me is it hasn't changed my life much yeah i'm still getting up going to work coming home and playing video games like yeah it's just a weird thing where like the whole world is just like all this stuff is happening but like i just am living in this bubble that is still pretty similar yeah so so but uh, anyway I, I would say stay safe everyone and yes yeah, hopefully safe. the uh, audio sounds all right as i said like you were cutting in and out at times so i think there's moments when we were both talking and i didn't realize you were talking no i mean so that, I, I, I think it'll be fine at least so the, i can see the audio wavelength so it seemed like it was good the whole time okay good yeah, I don't mind it on my end, but I, I hopefully it sounds all right and doesn't sound too distorted with the two of us talking at the same time sometimes. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I think it I think yes. it'll be OK. Uh, but okay. with that, thank you guys for listening. As always, the theme song Sting Operation by the band Anamanaguchi. Check them out and we will catch you in two weeks. Be safe, everybody.